What? It's is it is it when is it Wednesday again? Oh, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. There you go. Hey everybody. Oh, what a day. What a Wednesday. Did you build another fire? Oh my gosh. No, no doubt. No, no. But if you missed it last week, I put in a wood burning stove and we did the math as an investment, not just because the cost of the wood burning stove went up 25% plus from $410 to $530 at Home Depot from January to like, it's the last Wednesday. But also, if you factor in the cost of all, your, all, the, all the cost of propane, you know, we're going to be saving this winter, heating that cabin. Money. It, it, that, that investment outperforms Bitcoin. Yes. But I got to start today's show with a profound an appropriate opening monologue. What what should we call it? Make your bed and cut your wood. Yes, with, with that, make your bed and cut your wood. With 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 appropriate credit to Jordan Peterson for I, I think the obvious inspiration here. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about in today's show is my fabulous app. I've been having fun with. I have actually been. And Joey can actually attest to this, at least since she's been back home for the last week. But really, for the last two weeks, I've been making my bed every morning. Yeah. And today, she kind of beat me to it, but I still straightened it out when she was done. There was a wrinkle. She didn't do it right. My standards. I mean, she doesn't even know how to make a bed. But we yeah. we got it done. We got it done this morning. Teamwork. Teamwork. We got the <laughs> bed made. And it, it's something that Jordan Peterson has harped on. And Jordan Peterson, over the last few years, uh, Professor, intellectual, author, free speech activist, all around great guy, family man, uh, someone I got a lot of respect for, not that I'm a, a, a devotee uh, or an ideologue follower, but I, to see what he has done as a father figure for a lot of young men today who don't have that, being a, just a positive role model, father figure, and 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 one of the things he says in, in his is you know rules for life is make your bed every morning. And it's it's profound it, and it's a simple habit. And you can you can skip it. I I mean I've not been a bed maker most of my life. I suppose most most days that I've gotten up and left the bed, I have not made it. Although a lot of them I have. And it feels good. It feels good. But it's it's not just the practicality of it. A simple chore. There's something about starting your day with that as part of your ritual. So how, well, why do I say make your bed, cut your wood? Right? Because there's something about the example of this. One of the things Jordan Peterson has said about making your bed is that, like, you know, if you want to change the world, start with cleaning your room. You guys have heard this, Joey. Uh, nothing like this. None of this is ringing a bell. Practical life advice. If you want to change the world, clean your room. Sounds kind of Gandhian, doesn't it? Be the change you wish to see in the world. You think with your life in shambles, disorganized, with your room messy and your bed unmade, you're going to get into politics. You're going to get on Twitter and tell people how to run the world. Your ideas are going to be taken seriously. No. And of course, there's more to it than that. If your bed is unmade and your room is messy, you can still spout off online. You can still have intelligent things to say. You can be right. 
all the time. Doesn't matter. It's not in and of itself that relevant. But as a practice, there's a foundation for your life that then builds out from there. Do you make your bed? Do you clean your room? Or do you live in shit? And, and there's something about, you know, practical level of organization. And and as, as Ed and Joey living out here can certainly attest to, there are things in Gardenia that are extremely organized. And there are things in Gardenia that are... What would you say? <laughs> yes, I have my share of yeah. messes and half-finished projects. But I'm consciously and sometimes painfully aware of when I leave tools out. Sometimes I spend a lot of time looking for tools. And time spent looking for tools is not time spent working with tools. So, if you want to spend more time working with tools, you at least have to know where they are. Right? You have to make your bed, clean your room, make sure that you're organized enough that there's nothing in the way, at least, of you being organized and effective as an individual going out into the world. But at a deeper psychological level, there's something about the habit and about the practice and about being in the state of mind and being an example as a human being before you go and tell other people how to live. And, you know, I, I, I love the memes on Twitter that's like, you know, Reddit's editorial board and a just picture of like, gross slobs in their underwear on a couch, you know, with their laptops. And you think, what, when you give people the anonymity or the, the, the mask, whatever they want to put on, on the internet, we don't get the credibility gauge that we get when we see someone in person. And I say this coming to you deliberately, I suppose, Still wearing the credibility of, look, I got that. You know what those? You know what those stains are from? That's that's used motor oil fed through a chainsaw bar. Yeah, that's what that is. Do you know that used motor oil? Chain, don't ever buy chainsaw lube. Use motor oil. It's great. I love my little electric chainsaw. That's why I've been dirty today because I've been on the chainsaw pretty much all day. So I'm excited. I got to do my morning chores. Check my messages, my email, and then join Ed and Eric at the build site for the building we're putting in, the new gym, first multi-purpose room slash barracks, and then eventually gym for home from battle buddies out here. And of course, as I was trying, we had to move some trees, we had to cut some trees, trim some trees around the areas that we we get around for the dig. So I'm just to sort of tidy up the area around the build site and the gym. And I got about a what was that? Most of my truck bed full of firewood out of the day. And I wasn't I wasn't trying to cut firewood. I mean, we we're trying to trim the trees and get shit out of the way more than anything else. And we got, I got to say, uh, Scotty Mack, shout out to Scotty Mack. You can find him on YouTube as Scotty Mack from Seligman here, just Scotty Mack on YouTube, for bringing his bobcat out today. Holy shit. Saving us so much money, getting, getting us ahead of schedule. I mean, this is amazing. We're going to have this whole dog, certainly within a week, we'll be ready to start laying tires. Throwing build parties again out here. Anyway, back to subject, right? Make your bed, cut your wood. I might be jumping a little bit ahead here in the chain of of logic in my head to make this point. But here's where I'm going with this. Listen up, Ed, because I know you know a lot of people like this. I bet you know a lot of libertarians. 
who live in Babylon, who use the dollar, who are completely unprepared, who don't even pretend to resist in any way because civil disobedience is something that activists do. I just comply with the police because I'm a go along to get along libertarian. Live by my values, make my bed, cut my wood. No. No. And when I see someone like revealed on the internet as some, and it's, it's usually some offensively statist lefty, right, Ed? We go, oh, it's this fat, disgusting, out of shape, miserable piece of shit of a human being. Pink hair. Pink hair. And you know what? And, and you know what, Ed? Pink hair. Hold on, there's nothing wrong with pink hair. But no, no. I, I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to explain why Ed's point is valid here. How many women do you know would be twice as attractive if they spent half as much time on their hair and makeup and twice as much thinking about diet and exercise? It's those people. Can I answer? No, we're not getting, no, that's too oh big a God. sidebar. <laughs> too big a sidebar. Oh yeah, but, but. Ed, no, you're right. You're right. But this, Joey, to the libertarians who don't, but even to, even to those people. I'm an exemplary human being and I know it's right for everybody else. And you should follow me on Twitter and read my blog and, and follow me on Reddit and you should, Oh yes. And, I, and then you go, if I listen to your advice, am I going to end up looking like you too? Cause I, I, I no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take advice from people I want to emulate from people I want to be like and learn from. So Ed, how many libertarians, you know, is a big, big subjective question here as libertarians. How many libertarians, like, is it, I, I want, let me point out first, premise to, to this question. I'm not perfect here. But even as far as, as far as human beings go in America, as far as Americans go, deliberately sidestepping the system, not contributing to the evils of what I disagree with in the world. Letting you set the standard of that, if you're a liberal and you believe in whatever, do you actually live by that as a conscious consumer? I mean, as a libertarian, it means pay as little in taxes as possible because we believe that basically all of it goes to, in one way, subsidize evil, right? So I, I'm comfortable saying that, that I'm, what, 99th percentile of living by my values within libertarians, right? Being off-grid, not paying income tax, no, having engineered my life financially so that my tax liability is negligible and I can basically practice civil disobedience, and avoid the rest and they're not going to come after me, you know, and, and I do barter when, when possible. I do cash and, or crypto when possible. They're going right? to wait to us now. You're telling them all this. And I, I, <laughs> you're in the 2% when it comes to libertarian. Right. I, I think I'm even in the 1% among libertarians, but I want to, I want to point out that even in being in that top percentile, there's a lot of shit that I do that is statist. I still like, I, I mean, part of it is like I walk, I walk in both worlds, <laughs> you know, that I, I, I buy gas at the gas station. I'm, I don't, I, I don't have, have a, to. you can't not live in both worlds right now yet. Like you really, you do, everybody's got to get fuel. Every, I don't care how off great you've got, you've got. Make your own biodiesel. I mean, yes. You know what I'm going to avoid the gas tax for my, whatever. I'm going to minimize my transportation needs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, for everything I need for for my local, I'm gonna drive. We go to Home Depot, you know. We can't afford that. Mercedes everything right now. Mercedes, veggie, turbo diesel to convert to, to biodiesel. Yeah, that. Those, well, hey, pretty soon, man, those cars are gonna be cheap. But 
I don't I'm not saying that's necessarily the answer. I'm saying I know when I'm 99th percentile, how much have I sidestepped supporting the evil of, of the mainstream system? Probably only like 80 to 90%. There's still a big chunk of my foot in. You set up an organization to help other sidestep. Well, that too, yeah. Well, no, no, that's part of it. But but how many libertarians, Ed, are just still at 100% living that mainstream status lifestyle? Right? With no, and, and but so so here's the differentiation is that have you made the deliberate effort to start living by your values? Not are you there? Because it's a process, it's an adjustment, it's 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 a an accumulation of habits and practices and it's investments, and it's usually moving out of wherever the fuck you are living in Babylon to the woods or to at least some circumstance where you're not inherently by where you live feeding into the evils of the system. But most libertarians are smart enough to make good money off of the system. Well, you can live in Babylon and be 80% sidestepped as well. But it's hard. It's really hard. Right? And how, how much is that? You can't live in an apartment. You live in an apartment. I mean, if you're living in an apartment building, you're paying rent and you're getting on-grid utilities. No, you're still 50% at least there, even if, if, if that's all you're doing. Everything else, you're, you're working under the table, paying cash, whatever. You know, there's still a big chunk of, of what you're doing. Ed, is it fair to say that's the majority of libertarians? They don't make their bed. They don't cut their wood. Right? You see what I'm, I mean? I'm trying to use that they phrase. They so, make their bed. They might. So, I, think, I think the ones that make their bed pretty soon end up living like this. It's about initiative. It's a habit of taking initiative every morning. And cutting your own wood here is, to me, the phrase that captures that next level of taking responsibility for your own needs. And if that's a critical part of our message, we're hypocrites if we don't live it. And we shouldn't be taken seriously because we're telling people to live this way when we're not even doing it. But I have good news. And I know Ed can attest to this. And I know Joey can attest to this. Have you ever seen me happier than I have been out here in the last five years of my life? Even for all the other shit that I've had going on. Holy crap. It's better. Ed, Joey and I were... You've also been physically healthier now. Yeah. I've always been athletic and eating right and like conscientious about that, but I I, I went vegan-ish. It's it's not about being it's about extending the nap to animals as much as practically possible. Well, there was an incident about but, five or so many years ago where I ran into you at an event and I patted you in the gut and said, "Hey, Adam, you yeah, there's a there's a yeah, there's a and you snapped too right away and started lifting weights and started eating right and man, you stuck with it. I mean, well, I, I I've been I've been pretty yeah. consistent. Especially the last like year, and with with all of that, and the uh, I'll say plant based diet because I'm not strict. I mean, if, if someone around me has meat leftovers, but you know, I only get like definitely no more than two percent of my calories from from meat, maybe five percent from from dairy, and and eggs, eh, maybe ten percent over the last last couple of years, and I finally I've been cutting down my body fat. 
eating less has been been really you know the the less you eat if you're eating more than than your body needs your your body's energy is diverted to digesting food you know how much you have to lose in productive capacity to get fat it's not like your body just like automatically stores excess calories your body has to like process and shit a lot more food in order to get fat and and I'm at this point now where I'm I'm uh, on a day like today when I'm I'm doing manual labor all day I'll snack a little bit during the day I had some popcorn out of banana earlier but if it's a day I'm just doing office stuff or errands like I'm I'm pretty much down to one almost vegan meal a day I have so I have some dairy salad dressing in my salad packs every now and then I'm working on phasing that out we get the kitchen set up in the cabin we have my salad bar available perfect vegan salad every night we're here chowing down on oh, gross all right joey joey's a little behind me on that one but she'll get there too but she makes her bed i feel great if she if, if i don't beat her to it i feel great and she helps me at least she takes pictures of me cutting our wood but she's there like see joey made that turn a long time ago ed made that turn a long time ago producer jim made that turn a long time ago and they said to to to, to whatever that voice of conscience in there as they said you know what i'm i'm gonna make my bed and i'm gonna cut my wood make your bed cut your wood be an example take responsibility what's funny is, is as you say this you have people tuning in right now that don't understand why you look so disheveled <laughs> <laughs> all right example, all right so catching cover I, I guess yeah see i covered that at the beginning of the show i gotta catch people up i've been on the chainsaw all day today what did i, what did I do ed i did six five and a half like straight hours on chainsaw and uh if i'm not in it every day i'm, I'm not like in regular manual labor mode that with a chainsaw even an electric that's about all i can do before my hands start feeling my forearms start feeling tired and clumsy. So I have, I guess I have, <laughs> I, I look terrible. I look, I look terribly rough, but I think I look great. Bright eyed, bushy bearded, rosy cheeked, energized, fit, feeling good from a day of chainsaw work. Should I take, should I take the big shirt off dear? You want to? Oh. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's everybody can read Proud employer. Of the mentally handicapped. It should say morally handicapped. Right? It should say morally. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, so the picture of the Capitol, that's my T-shirt. I got this from an IVAW friend. Shout out to Lars Ekstrom, who I still have footage of from an interview I did with him. Like, Very metal sound. Lars Ekstrom. Yes. Oh. Yeah, and his brother, MK Ultra, or his bandmate. Is it? Anyway. Uh, we've got an interview with Christopher Canwell for the show tonight he called me from jail yesterday with an update on his trial make sure that this other device is ready to play that interview and we have a, a guest maybe two let's see what did i get no i we're hoping to have ernie join us today because i was supposed to do his show today and have to miss that um ernie hancock was going to come on call me an asshole for missing the show this week. but i think it was it was good to bump for making sure that we got the Bobcat going. Oh yeah, Ernie, Ernie is uh, Ernie Hancock was going to give us a chance today to promote Battle Buddies on his show to air for Veterans Day. 
We got we got a bunch of interviews we're lining up for that. No. Um November eleventh in, in eight days. He or he's pre pre taping stuff now. He's not doing his live for, for years. Ernie did live three hours a morning. He he skipped Friday. He did a lot of like Fridays off, but he did a ton of other content special episodes too. But his foundation was three hours in the morning. We're usually three hour long interviews, and I've I've done about a dozen of those with him, and uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. But then we also have joined us tonight, Anne Wilson Smith, and if you know that name. She is the author of Charlottesville Untold. I want to get uh, Inside Unite the Right. Yeah, Charlottesville Untold. As well as Robert E. Lee, a history book for kids. Now, little surprising thing about her, uh, Christopher Cantwell hadn't heard of her. And Christopher, the crying Nazi Cantwell, hadn't heard she of the book. woman who wrote the book. Although, it's relatively new. Let's see, what is this, September it came out while Cantwell was already in jail for the extortion. Okay, so it's not like she could have reached out. <laughs> He's got an excuse, which is, but I've been hearing like, I, and it's you'll hear like me she say didn't this. Do her research. She, well, no, she could have sent him a letter from jail and set up an interview with him. So it sounds like she didn't. Well, like she well, no, 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 no. Trust me. This is, you know, it's, still, it's well researched. I don't, I don't know what degree. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she did interview Chris and he just totally fucking spaced it because he's in jail in the middle of a trial. And it's like, yeah. he is, he is, you're, you'll hear. It's a fun interview that I got with him. Going from jail yesterday. Good timing for an update. Um, She was, uh, Ann, Ann Wilson Smith was at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. And uh, I am uh, really honored, actually, that Cantwell keeps calling me. And as long as we have this, you know, one that'll answer. <laughs> yeah, right. as long as we may be God, but as long as we have this unique way of covering his trial uh, and, and what's going on there. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to come back to this every week. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to hear 15 minutes from Cantwell. We're going to talk to Ann Smith for about 30 minutes afterwards. We're gonna have our ombudsman segment and y'all are going to hear all about, my dorky daily checklist, fabulous app. But for now, producer notes, Mr. Jim. Jim Freedom. Jim Freedom in the house. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying the show. I thought you said 45-minute uh, monologue in the beginning there, so we're, we're cutting it a little shy. Only 20 minutes. <laughs> Wait. No, 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 no. The opening monologue was only supposed to be 10. I went over, as always. Oh, I give I you more. No, 45 minutes. I was saying we got. Oh, we're gonna cover the election too. Did what did the statists do yesterday? Wasn't there? There was a thing. Did they? Did they go vote? Did they vote? That was the thing. Vote. I voted yesterday like twice. Saw this is a good look. Stay human, bro. And I'm gonna vote again tomorrow. A few times. Ah, vote early, vote often, the Gardenia way. That's right. Our our outhouse is called the voting booth. Jim, producer notes. Anything? What's going on? Well, I hope everybody, if you haven't by now, if you're just catching this live because some, somehow it came across your thing and you're just now remembering that Adam is still alive, hopefully you're part of t.me forward slash Adam versus man. That's where all the action's going. That's building pretty quick. So I, I, you definitely should be getting involved with that because it's really cool. It's just a, 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 a feed. Telegram's good anyway. I'm sure you, I'm surprised you haven't talked about it and promoted it yourself. 
already, but that's it's the new way. We're 24 like minutes in, and Adam hasn't out. geeked out on Telegram yet. Right. Yeah, All right. I'm well, digging it. If you know anything about Telegram, definitely be connected to t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. And uh, if you feel like helping the show out, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man is still live and active, and there are perks going on with that as well. So definitely check that out and get yourself connected. That's all I really have for producer producer notes. Our one our one show a week, we we really slimmed a lot of things down in those areas. I wanted to ask so one one other thing. I'll say this: you asked me about topics if that I might want to bring up, hot topics that are recent news. I just wanted to get your quick thoughts if you know anything about uh, Facebook's new thing they're doing with the Meta crap. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I uh, you gotta ask me a more specific question because I don't want to talk about it. You know, like it's I don't mind. I, I I mean I get the importance of it. I I I've kept up a little bit. Joey and I saw an article. Now there's a potential conflict with a software company in Arizona named Meta, and I was like, wait a second. There's gotta be like a dozen companies called Meta. It's not like that complicated a word. I I kind of hope that you know we should start a company here called Meta, like Meta LLC. As an Arizona LLC, so we can put to out, buy you out. like, like Meta declares Facebook dead. <laughs> goes to recommends users go to a different platform. You know, I mean, we can have so we much fun. Like, like we got, we got to get under the radar. No, it's just Meta. That's the thing. Is it's such a generic word? It really is. You can't. It's not even like it's Facebook was kind of a new word. You know, like Facebook. You go, yeah. We're first to market. It's a new word. We're in a copyright, patent, it trademark, says, whatever the fuck we can it's to Hebrew. protect that. It's Hebrew for dead. Meta? Oh. I was thinking of like meta-analysis. Like get yeah, deep, get big, like get bigger picture, like get meta. They're talking like metaverse, which is a similar, they're not saying dead, but it's but in a sense it's like the dead virtual replica of the world. They're like, this is more like, Facebook's bullshit corporate rebranding, like Alphabet, be, you know, like Google becomes Alphabet holding company. I don't fucking care. It's obnoxious, petty corporate shit to manipulate people. What's interesting is, oh, the metaverse, that's where Facebook is trying to expand because that that's what tells me is, is based on some big trends. And I've thought about this before, but, we're, we're sort of slowly sliding into matrix pods, aren't we? Full of pink goo, right? I mean, we used to be, it used to be, right? 30 years ago, you didn't have a phone in your pocket all the time. You Where you were, yeah, you had a pager, right? You didn't even have a cell phone. <laughs> but, but like, free phones at all. Like, this is for like, we intellectual exercise. Before, before rotary phones and landlines, where you were in space on the surface of the earth was where you were and where your attention is. Yeah, you can close your eyes and dream and daydream and teleport and all that shit. But basically, we have like intellectual, we have we have we have virtual teleportation devices in our pockets now that take us out of that physical presence already. Think about the difference between that sort of pre-telephone. Or pre-television, pre-able, and even television. Television is is the more dominant thing. That at television, you sit in front of the fucking television, and you are psychologically transported. Your attention is at a place outside of where. I mean, people watch TV and then fucking fall asleep with a cigarette and burn their house down. You know, I mean, that's how out of that space they are. That's called. Right? That's called. It used to happen. 
Yes, yes. So it's it's taking out. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but obviously no, it's a room. Entertainment now. Well, obviously it's a place for overindulgence that is destroying a lot of people's lives. And it's the same thing. Like, and it, and overall, it's a good thing, right? Overall, yeah. that I can yeah. go. I can no, no. That I can virtually connect to anything. Okay. I can I can go somewhere where someone is learning how to fix their or showing me how to fix their chainsaw. 10 years, I can travel back in time, 10 months to the hillbilly hobo, whatever backwoods of Tennessee, where someone has my chainsaw that they fix with the same problem. Go, okay, cool. Now I can fix my chainsaw. That's fucking That's awesome. awesome. And my capabilities and my presence in my space is enhanced by that. There are, when, if it's, I'm watching junk TV, my life is, is, is diminished. My quality of life goes down if I use that technology wrong. But there's a bigger trend. The temptation is getting bigger. This is why I can now you guys see when I say we're slowly sliding into pink goo filled matrix pause, you go, oh shit, you know, where where are these trends going? And at some point if that if that I feel like we've been in them already. Well, You're we in have, the goo. We have the matrix now in that you can go to Google Earth and plug in the Temple on the Mount and boom, it takes you there in 360 degrees. You can look up, down, around, see everything that's there. Well, no, no. So here would be, it, it, it's not that that I'm getting at, Ed. What would be the matrix today if someone said, excuse me, I want to live as close to that lifestyle as possible? It would be basically you go get one of those. No, no. You know those bunks that they have? What is it? Hong Kong. They have like bunk apartments. Right. You guys know what I'm talking about? Tiny, tiny, tiny apartments. It's a bunk apartment in a city. They're fucking human beings. Yeah. It's a, well, it's a bunk Pods. in a hallway. They're like stacked too high in a hallway. You get up or down, and it's a it's a it's like a twin bed sized space with some shelves. And people rent that. People fucking rent that yep. and live in that. So going matrix today would be living in that, food delivery, figuring out a way to poop in a bucket and having someone come and pick it up and spending all of your time staring at a screen. And but having, you can do that, and having right? And you can do that, and having electrodes attached to you so that it pulls electricity off your body. Sure, that you're generating. Yeah, we, you can do that. Too. Yeah, yeah. You can go a few more steps. Maybe you're in the main. Actually, you could be recycling your urine. You said you put put. He's, saying, he's actually, talking be, about somebody else using waste. your electricity. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, to make it really like the Matrix, you have to right. fucking generate electricity and then give it away. Right? Yeah, that's what <laughs> when you die, toilet green is. <laughs> I like I like so, the I like the analogy about uh, the movie Ready Player One better, where it's uh, the virtual world that we can be a part of and disconnect from. You know what I mean? Obviously, there's the same caveats. There's the same problem inherent uh, possible problems or possible overusings, but you know. I still got sawdust in my ears. Yeah. Oh, Make your bed, life. cut your wood, heat your home. Live by your values. Your hair, it's full of it. It's mm -hmm. in your beard. The tree looks gorgeous. The tree looks great. They, they turn from big gnarly bushes to beautiful, oh, elegant man. trees with that first tree. treatment of, of the chainsaw. Look like a jigsaw puzzle out here. You think we do this? <laughs> do the whole property. How many, how many, have you counted the trees, Ed? How many trees no. are there on the 10 acres? No. It's like 230. Yeah, nothing. We removed a couple. I don't know the exact current number. I have a weapon already. <laughs> but it's like it's like 200 ish trees that I want to trim up and have in place, and then I want to add more around the perimeter. We've talked about all that. I am a tree trimming hippie. All right. With that, let's get Ombudsman Ed and co-host Joey up on screen here. Now that we're wow, we're already half an hour into the show. God damn. 
All right, what are we doing? What do you think we're doing? Where'd you go? Oh, right. I've been smoking weed since before you all was born. Hey, I got to commit some great cannabis civil disobedience yesterday. You didn't think that was possible in a rec legal state? Well, it is. You know what I did? I went oh, to no, one. No, no, don't incriminate yourself. I'm totally going to do it. Don't. I went don't. to one dispensary oh. and I bought my legal limit of one ounce, it was the most they would sell me. Because that's as a rec patient, that's all you're allowed to buy in one day. And then I went to another dispensary across town and I bought another ounce. I did this once in Trinidad. You've been to Trinidad, Colorado, where there's like Take a that, whole the man. there's Shame. a whole strip mall full of dispensaries. Like like literally, there's like half a dozen to a dozen of them. Bam, 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 right next door to each other. And uh, I walked in and I bought an ounce from each one. And <laughs> so then, I, nobody ever called me. It's okay. I actually asked. Wait, wait where? What state? Colorado. Colorado. They have a one. No, they have a one ounce a day limit for. Rec purchases. Rec purchases as well. It's so Colorado is like to a certain degree ahead and saturated as a market. Like yeah. the idea of them coming after people there for that. They're is regulatory, so but they're regulatory. It's it's, it's archaic. It, it's yeah. one of the first ones. Like the the states that are that are legalizing now are much more liberal than. Well, it's like what happens if Texas? What I should say when Texas legalizes for production and they go, you can't tax our weed. Are you fucking crazy? That's my, that's my Texas they took our weed. <laughs> I can't okay, wait for that. I remember yeah. 70s when we voted marijuana to be legal and we passed it and the Treasury Department actually printed out tax stamps that they sold yes. to us that we could put onto our bags to show if we got busted to show they could no, put this legal the part, Okay. No, they could bust us federally because it, well, you couldn't have the substance, mm. but they couldn't bust us in the state and charges because we paid the tax on it. And earlier than that, they did prior, I think it was like 1913, like prior to the actual federal prohibition, they had farmers uh, bring in their crops for certification or something, like that, and then they were arrested. Like it was this big sting operation for all of the hemp farmers. But then in World War One and Two. Farmers were required, 10% required of 10% to grow hemp of their crop and give to, be to give to the military. For Are you trying to say that people who trust government have no knowledge of history whatsoever? No, no, they, don't, they, they don't realize that, that cannabis <laughs> is the Dutch pronunciation of canvas. Canvas is the, right. everything was canvas, was made of cannabis. Everything. So, so <laughs> I want to shout out both area dispensaries I went to because they're both great. I think they're the only, they're, they're the two big ones in in our in Prescott. The Are they the only ones now? I think so. There was another one they 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 moved. There's, there, there's, Chino, wasn't there, there's been some bullshit regulation of business license fuckery because we had one in Chino briefly and they shut down. And and Chino sales tax is ten percent. So I, I I try not unless it's Burger King. I try not to spend money at, at Chino or cash we'll at the thrift store. The cash yeah, at the thrift yeah. store. Um, yeah. But no, I, I try not to support the Chino Valley city government um, because they just give tickets on the 89. Uh, the, 
I don't know. This might not be true now. It's not the worst police department. It's still like relatively rural Arizona, but it's just like really Chino Valley. Do you really need to be like? Patrolling and pulling people yes, over. Okay. I haven't. Oh, wait. I, I haven't. This Time the last out. like six months or so. I think they've backed off. You know no? they did not. I was there yesterday. How many hours were there? I was doing laundry. I yeah. went to the gym. I auto parked. You have a bike. I was there for a few patrol. hours, and there were state boys, and like I mean, they were parked mm. too deep on the side of the road, like just watching people and being creepy. It was. Oh really shoot! Actually, yes, I'm talking Chino Valley to, PD. So, so we have, yes, we have three everywhere. layers. So I right. went to the dog park, which is right next to the Chino Valley. Okay, right. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Back in the city. There wasn't complex. anybody there. There wasn't one. There was like two patrol cars. That's it. So, yeah, they were all Ooh. out, like, just, just watch. I mean, it was, I don't know, it's the beginning of the month. I don't think that quoted things as real as we think it is. There's definitely an added pressure, I think, at the end of well, the beginning. I'll say that the the stadies are the worst out here, regardless. And and I haven't. I think they're the ones that took my license last time. I think it was a stadie. No, was it was a Coconina County? It was Coconina County. But the, the state troopers patrol. They're like highway patrol. They call them state troopers, right, in Arizona. But they're basically highway patrol, highway like patrol. more like California model, where they're highway patrol and they're they do some stuff that's that's good. They do some public safety help, not like helping old ladies change tires, but that's not it. That not the it's giving tickets on the freeway, and they're the ones on the on the forty who are staked out. And I drive, I set my crews at like four over on the freeway. Anyway, I'm not I'm not afraid of those guys. But um, on the eighty nine, you'll see a couple of the stadies staked out too. Smaller road, not as many, whatever. But then you've got the sheriffs coming down one level. Yavapai County sheriffs, total mixed bag. Like we have our guy out here in Juniper Wood Ranch, who's cool because he's connected to the community. He's the guy who saw me speeding and just flashed his lights at me and didn't do anything else, right? Like that's fucking. All. I might have been just, you know, maybe you recognize me. Maybe you don't want to pull me over. But generally, they're within the sheriff's department. It's a mixed bag because a lot of them are connected and to rural Yavapai, and they're regionally office located. It's not like they've got you know guys coming from far side of the county, like Prescott Valley in Sedona to patrol up here in Juniper Wood Ranch. Up here, it's, it, it might be Chino Valley guys, it might be whatever. Um, but then but then you go to Chino Valley, so then you come to, well, then you come to Ash Fork, and there's nothing, there's no, there's, because there's no city, so there's no, there's a fire department. There are Ash Forks, the, the, the extent of Ash Forks government is in an historical society and a volunteer fire department. Ungovernable. Yes, we are. And then we have, but then we have sheriffs, you know, again, mixed bags. Sometimes they come in, they're dicks, I but usually, fairly but usually they're, they're pretty friendly because they're kind of connected to the community here. Some of them, if they come from the cities and to me, the big city, like, like Prescott, Prescott Valley or Sedona, they come out here. They got no connection to this rural community. They're going to be dicks to the hillbillies maybe, but it's, it's whatever. Um, generally, I think they see people like me in a, you know, a dirty pickup truck. And they leave these long-haired country boys alone. But then you've got Chino PD, and you'd expect more local. And Chino Valley is a pretty small town. What's the population like all together? You guys going to guess? You should guess. I, 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 I think 153. I don't know. I don't, yeah. 153. <laughs> they, they have a Safeway, a Taco Bell, a Burger King, and a Walgreens. And a KFC. 11,000. Um, you got eleven thousand. Twenty nineteen. Area buzz. Oh, 
It must be off a wire. See. Uh, your connection is faster on your phone. No, there's a bunch of little like off side streets there with tons of little We went and did the blood drive there, right? No, that was Ashford. We oh, was the uh, high school gym. Yeah. I don't know. We had 10,817 by the 2010 census. So you would expect in a northern Arizona 10,817. Oh, 2010? <laughs> yeah, was this, what do you have? Or 2019? Oh, it's gone up about 1,000. Okay, that makes sense. All service by the um, but Actually, I got, I got according to oh, twenty, yeah. I got updated on Wikipedia, thirteen thousand and twenty people. Ooh, <gasps> oh my gosh! No, no, and, and it's cool. Remember, we, we, because I have a mechanic, I love in in China, formerly Dogs, now Interstate eighty nine, taking him, taking my my baby in tomorrow oh, to get brakes done and U joints replaced. That's a crazy, scary, squeaking noise. You got joints with the U joints. Um, U joints. Um, U joints, me joints, we all smoke for E joints, uh, 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 we joints. Um, and Chino Valley PD, you would expect that you know, maybe at the outside of town on either side, they might have one guy there for speeders passing through. There's a public safety thing, yeah, and they'd be, and 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 that's about all it should be, but. And that's been here. I will give them credit for like I haven't gotten too much, you know, Apple vibes <laughs> from Chino, Chino Valley, Valley, you know, in the last the year. Car. Um, they're they're white with like blue and black stripes. I think there's they have two different paint jobs. There's there's one that's like white with blue stripes and one that's white with black stripes. I think for for Chino Valley. People. I'm sure your audience is fascinated. <laughs> Well, no, this is an intro. I mean, I know. Well, this is an analysis of of of, of law enforcement that I think is kind of relevant to navigating it. And for people who are like living in a city, going like, "Oh my God, I got to worry about cops fucking all the fucking time, fucking unless I'm in my room." And even then, they could burst in at any moment because they get the wrong address. Like, you know, there, there's there, when you you know what it's like, even just being in Phoenix. In the city, you only worry about cops when they get behind you. Then the hair goes up on the back of your neck. You wonder if they're there too long. You worry. Well, it's a lot more in the know, city than out here, isn't it? You know. And this is, I hope this is a glimpse. I mean, but then out, you come out to Gardenia. It's not fucking nothing. What's, yeah, what's it off the highway? When it comes uh, to Gardenia, I am the law. And I'm pretty chill most of the time. So. <laughs> I promise that talking about hemp I've never given anyone out opinion. here. Everybody seems to be pretty much on the up and up in their own law, and you know everybody's respectful of each other because an armed society is a polite yeah. society. Well, we are we are almost three quarters in the first hour of the show, and we want to cover the election as well. the The status did something yesterday. Did, did anybody notice? I thought I was going to get a California absentee ballot in the mail and get to vote remotely, but apparently I didn't get registered for that because I don't care enough. You have to send in for it. You have to send in for Because I did for the presidential. I voted in the presidential for, for Jorgensen Cohen. but They send those out auto. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. In California, mm, I, whatever. I don't care. I don't want to no, no. But I, I made a point of making uh, sure that I was going to get one to vote for, for Joe and Spike. Yeah. But there was no compelling... Nash, like we didn't have any. Um, I mean, it's it's an odd year, not even a congressional Senate year, so it's 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 all state and local stuff that happened yesterday. 
but a lot of it is of national significance. So to give you guys a quick overview, we're just going to look at drudgereport.com. So yeah, this is window onto the mainstream headlines. Uh, Republicans take Virginia. Fresh start, fresh youngkin. Shocker shows. That's, that's the name of the candidate, I guess. Uh, shocker shows Trump isn't needed. Independents who backed Biden by 19 points turn away. Less than 75,000 votes made the difference. So a big part of this, and, and Jim, go ahead and pull up drudgereport.com so we can show people that the headline layout because I'm about to get to the big ones. But um, what political analysts look at an odd-year election, compare it to the even-year election prior, and then go, what does that say about the next big even-year election coming up? that in next year's case is going to determine, of course, the balance of the Senate and Congress. So th those are the headlines in the top left on Drudge Report. Now the big ones in the middle. Scroll down, Jim. Dark night of the Dems. Party in panic after loss. Now New Jersey hangs by thread. Yeah, so That's the one that I'm looking at. So th that's, the. I mean, mainstream, this is the general stories that things went unexpectedly Republican, that there was a measurable voter backlash to the Biden administration so far, right? Now, um, Joey, we do have some very good news for libertarians with Ashley Shade winning, because yeah, the, the odd years are like where you have fun opportunities for libertarians. I, yeah, we want to start, now. well, well, Joey, you want to you make sure you got the roundup of all the, the highlights for the LP here? Um, I, yeah, but shout out to Ashley Shade. Yeah. This is pretty cool. We have a trans woman libertarian elected city council. Now. She was on the show not long ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few months. A few months ago. We definitely had her on at some While point. While she was running, totally. Yeah. So, oh, do we get some credit? Did she get the Adam versus oh. the man bump? Oh, we did. We did. We did. Yes. Uh, man, we're we're like power broker media. We are kingmakers now. No, I'm just the king. Um, so, Joey, you had, did, did you want to read uh, Ashley's statements on her victory for us? Do you have that handy? You want to pull that up while Ed is sharing the news, his commentary on the election? Oh, it was about the uh, the Senate race in New Jersey, okay? Just before the show started, I tried to get a confirmation that Edward Durr was beating the incumbent Steve Sweeney. Now, Steve Sweeney is a, a Democrat that's been New Jersey Senate president He's been in the Senate longer than any other senator, and Durr was a furniture store truck driver that spent $153 on his campaign and whipped Sweeney's ass. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm I pulled up I'm pulling up. New you Jersey can't get here. a confirmation that Sweeney that Sweeney actually is beat. They're dancing around it hard. They won't say yeah, Edward uh, Edward does look like Edward Durr is beating him. It looks like he might win. It's like, come on. And all the all the races where they want the person to win, they've already said, Oh, that race is that's done. Yeah, that's and they're determined. So but there's this one that's well, we don't know. Well, for New Jersey, they're predicting Phil Murphy as the incumbent for governor. Right. Winning with fifty point one percent. And Jack Chiatarelli, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Republican, 49.1%. But th so the Senate win that you were just describing, 
that is that's the national senate. Is that is it a special race this year, right? Or were you talking about state senate? I'm saying in New Jersey, there's there are New Jersey senators. The, the president president of the Senate, Steve Sweeney, got his ass beat by a, a furniture store truck driver that's only spent $153 on his campaign. Uh, you're not seeing this in the media. Why was this? Um, I thought it was pretty damn funny, man. <laughs> yeah, why was why was this Senate though in this in this uh, odd year? Because U.S. Senate races are normally only every two years. I don't know. There's special elections. Huh? Oh wait, here. Let's see. Senate. Well, this is 2020. This is weird. They're awesome mm -hmm. libertarians. Okay, so um, Joe, you want to start the awesome libertarian roundup with the statement? Well, yeah, well, Shader, Ashley's statement is awesome on Facebook. She says, uh, I'm waking up today and last night feels like a dream. I'm so incredibly honored to be elected as city council. We made history and I'm honored to become the first ever transgender person elected to office in North Adams. And I believe in Berkshire County and uh, the Libertarian Party issued a statement today. Um, so she was the first transgender to be elected in Berkshire County. Um, among the notables, first in Tuesday's election and re-elected libertarian Ashley Shade is the first transgender political person elected to office in Massachusetts, Berkshire County. Uh, so I guess there's other counties in Massachusetts that have transgender uh, folks holding office, which I think is kind of cool that that's really been broken through um, these days. Um, Alamante Springs, Florida, Commissioner Jim Turney. Turney? Yes, Jim Turney. Jim Turney was former former executive, Turner. no former chair of Libertarian Party National Committee. Mm -hmm. Jim Turney, also great AV volunteer for Libertarian events and conventions. I've, I've I met him first when he was just helping. Out. He was working a camera at a Libertarian Party state convention in Florida. I was like, wait, isn't that Jim Turney behind the camera? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, isn't he? He's elected, like, over there. Yeah, that guy, yeah. Great, great dude all around. Very humble. Ready to do anything for the party and the cause. That's good. It's his third term that he's had. Yeah, so yep. excellent. Not not, not unexpected. So, Florida yeah, Jim Turney re-elected. Um, he's city council, right? Or is he county? Florida commissioner. Florida, county commissioner. He's yeah. a county commissioner in yeah. Florida. Um, where'd it go? Benjamin Sievers in Florida also took the top spot in the three-way race for North Apollo Borough Council, beating out two Republicans. Nice. Which I guess he kind of got all the liberal votes by default, which good for him. Um, party estimates that voters across the U.S. elected approximately 150 candidates into office last year. And they suspect the numbers will get bigger as everything gets finalized so cool little yellow wave 150 offices or thousands but it's something what are you looking for i'm looking for this new jersey senate thing because it's this fucking nbc website it's like they're giving the governor without the senate without the breakdown i'm trying to it's like uh, that was my frustration is I could not get a confirmation. Do you mean the mainstream media is telling you? They won't even talk about want. that race. No, no yeah, New Jersey goes straight to the governor's it. race. I looked at the state, the, the county results. 
the state results. I looked at all this stuff. They wouldn't even list it. It was like, what was going, what is going on here? Hmm. And I heard the story three times. Not right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's go brandon that's also on the nbcnews.com homepage. let's go brandon enters long lexicon of presidential insults oh geez oh yeah so i'm 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 like producers club i sent the link okay oh for the new jersey we well, got right. something okay no, was your no, little some of the ones that i looked at I'll pull up your link. Trucker who spent $153 in primary on pace to beat New Jersey's longest serving politician. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's hard to find the truth when it's it's a state senate race. That's what I thought it's a state senate race, but it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's New York magazine. I got two hours ago. Republican Ed Durham may unseat legislator Stephen Sweeney, who has been state Senate president for over oh, a decade. Yes. That is what it's not U.S. Senate, state okay. Senate. But it's a big deal because it's not just a random Senate in a big seat in a big house. It's the guy who's been yeah. steering the Senate, who's been a major power major broker. Major power dude. Yeah. And the guy who spent 153 bucks. Yeah. And, that, and, and I wonder if that's, if they are just trying to downplay that in the mainstream or like NBC or like the election results websites that do that are trying to hide because like you click on virginia on the nbc.com it's just the nbcnews.com you click on virginia and it pulls up like everything you click on new jersey and goes new jersey governor's race and you're like really i mean i don't i don't want to get it's, yeah exactly it's not surprising <laughs> thanks joey their algorithm and what they offer you as results that's so weird that's, that's called metadata Believe it or not, mm. in so, the computer programming world. So, Ed, we have an update from two hours ago okay. from, and this is NY Mag, New York Mag Intelligence or sec section. The, and I think this is the gist of the story you wanted to get at. Uh, a truck driver may pull off a $153 upset in New Jersey State Senate race. Well, Democratic Governor Phil Murphy fended off an upset at the top of the ballot in New Jersey. State Senator Stephen Sweeney may not be so lucky. The president of the legislative body for over a decade, Sweeney is currently losing to a truck driver who has never held political office with a 2,000 vote lead with 98% of ballots counted. It appears that his opponent, Ed Durr, will unseat him in the South Jersey 3rd District, spending just $153 on his primary campaign. Yeah, as both parties try to wait. So this, this is he's Republican, right? He's not one of ours. Uh, but still, yeah. as, a, as a little guy taking That's out a big great. guy, That's... and and really this the, the, the potential here... The reason this is exciting is is if you you had a ten year reelected right guy who's who's when you're the the president of a state senate or a state house you are you are steering you are a major power you are steering billions of dollars on a regular basis like every year billions of dollars you personally get to determine where it goes and getting a lot of bribes and kickbacks and all sorts of shit. And if this guy was like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Whoops. Now I'm just out of a job. Like I have no power. I mean, he's still going to be a politician power broker and try to stay in the game. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Uh, guy went door to door. Durr, uh, dur to dur. relied <laughs> mostly on shoe leather going dur to dur 
throughout the district introducing himself to voters. In total, the self-described constitutional conservative who has written that abortion is wrong estimated that he spent less than $10,000 on the race. So there's there's more money involved. It wasn't quite $183. But um, pretty awesome story. And, I mean, as a truck driver, he's not – He's not a Republican, you know, uh, poobah wearing a funny hat yeah. and going to secret meetings and shit. Uh, he, he's going to get assimilated or kicked out soon, just like anybody else who gets into power. But cool little shakeup. The people of New Jersey will be slightly less fucked by government for the next two years as a result. So, for you, Mr. Yeah. All right, we got just a few minutes before we get into our Charlottesville segment. Um, Ombudsman Ed, Joey, any anything you want to get in? Because we're going to do this uh, Cantwell tape, the latest Cantwell tape, and uh, we're we got in an ongoing saga. Yeah, I mean, it's we're talking about twenty twenty one like elections, like off year, and uh, people still haven't gotten off of the twenty twenty election. Those in the grocery store yesterday and two little old men i just walked up and i heard and i can't believe what they got in office right now and you know they start talking i'm listening and at the end it was well it was nice meeting you and i was like I thought they were talking like they known each other and <laughs> by now they were complete strangers it just right. met the frozen food aisle two men like women gossiping about the i i, I hate to I, I hate to i hate to like you know do that man woman thing but uh, yeah, the 2020 election is still not off of everything. Yeah, I mean, again, another just thing you got to give Trump credit for, or the phenomena of Trump, is that it, I can't give it Trump redefined any, the I lines. No, 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 I'm not saying, this isn't a credit thing. This is this is credit for his success as an evil asshole politician. I, that That he successfully branded himself in a way that redefined the polarization of America. It's crazy. You know, there's a lot of people who see it as your your pro-Trump or anti-Trump. That's the world now. Was it him that kickstarted? Because the polarization goes well beyond that. I mean, there is polarization in the cannabis community right now, like hardcore in the activist community. Okay, there's polarization in in the in, in every community over the vaccines, right? Like, there's just been this increase in us versus them since COVID. And Trump fueled that. I mean, Trump was deliberately not a uniter no he said we are the good guys and, and those are the bad that. guys and that's it was terrible. it was more george w and george w said I, i'm a uniter not a divider he said it just like that but but, divide, but divide, divide. he snickered after but he <laughs> uh, but george bush w also famously said you're either with us or you're with the terrorists right and that was even more pronounced with Trump, although it wasn't about terrorism, to Trump's credit, not beating on that evil drum in particular. But it was uh, you're 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 either a good guy or you're a bad guy, right? There was a, there was a lot of that, and uh, definitely fed into polarization. So all right, with that, get ombudsman and co-host Ed and Joey off the screen, and we're gonna bring Ann Wilson Smith up here. So if, if Ann is backstage, you want to put her on screen. All right. Hi. Ann Wilson-Smith joins us tonight for our Charlottesville segment. 
we're going to start just letting you know who she is as an author or someone who was at the Unite the Right rally, author of a new book, Charlottesville Untold, Inside Unite the Right. And uh, we're going to give her another proper introduction when uh, when we we, uh, we 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 hear from Mr. Kentwell himself from jail. Um, but but Anne, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you to say uh, b- before we hear from Mr. Cantwell? Uh no, I'll wait and let you do that. All right. All right. Jim, so <laughs> if, uh, cut me off if there's any issue with the audio. Here we go. To register this number as a private number to accept this free call, press 1 to refuse this free call. Thank you for you. Hey, Chris. Sorry for the technical difficulties the last couple times you tried to reach me. Thank you for your persistence. I have been hearing nothing but wonderful things about your court performance so far. I have been hearing wonderful things about my court performance, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear the news is universally positive. Uh, even, if the, even if the positive news comes as you know, bad coverage for people who hate me, but that says a lot about I did read some negative coverage, but it was stretching and characterizing your cross-examination is asking odd questions and it's like well yeah it's, it's an odd case he's, he's gonna ask odd questions it makes a lot of sense to ask anyway it was stuff like that but in terms of credible sources uh I, i've heard uh almost nothing but good things well you know what's you know what's funny about it that, that they say i'm asking odd questions but you know, these people think it's an odd question to wonder why we were Yeah, <laughs> right. So, I think that, you know, I guess, you know, telling me that the Daily Beast might take the next couple of months, I think that's not a question. But it seemed eminently reasonable to me. And of course, Mr. Will's kind of answer the question. 
course, you have, you have, you have a target audience, and ultimately, it's up to the jury to decide here. Tomorrow, we're going to be broadcasting this this conversation for uh, Adam versus the man, and we're also having Ann Wilson Smith on. So hopefully, she'll listen and comment if you want to say anything to or about her. And you know, we have about uh, ten minutes left here. I would like to ask you also where we are exactly in the proceedings. And now that we're into the thick of uh, witnesses and cross-examination, what you think of your prospects? I think my prospects are very good because I'm confident that the jury knows that they're witnesses are liars, okay? Uh, we are now on, uh, this was uh, today's Monday. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday. I understand in jail, those things can... Day two, day two, day two. You think in the trial schedule, you remember what day of the week it is. I understand. for the ages, I hope. So, proceedings-wise, what comes uh, after this, uh, in terms of who else has uh, slates of witnesses to call? So, I am, you know, you know, one of the most relevant details of this case is that we are accused of participating in a conspiracy with 24 co-defendants, and the, 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 the reality of it is that I really know my co-defendants very well. I actually don't know like what they're all planning to do. Um, I have a, I have a couple of witnesses that I'm going to call. Most of my defense is kind of like really screwed by the circumstances of my trial preparations and the and the circumstances of my incarceration. So like right. this list of some point of witnesses, well, I'm not going to be able to call because I couldn't depose them before. Right. They live outside the range of the court subpoena power, and so like I'm really not going to be able to call. I'm not going to be able to call the case I wanted to call. Of course. Uh, I don't really know what my co-defendants are going to do. I have a couple of witnesses I'm going to call. I'm going to recall Mr. Willis because there were videos I want to show him that I didn't have during my cross-examination of him. I'm going to recall Ms. Romero for similar reasons. Uh, and I'm going to try to play as many videos as I can because I promised the jury in my opening statement that my goal was to let them know what happened. I could have made a very simple defense and just gone up there and said, did I cause your injuries? No. All right, no further questions. Did you want to expire? No. No further questions. I could have done that and beat this case. I told the jury that I had higher ambitions, which was to let them know what happened that weekend. And so I think the best way that I can do that is to play as much video, but if it's possible, that's going to be my goal. Do you believe that the judge will allow video evidence to be submitted as you intend? I don't really feel allow as, probably not as I intend, because what I would love to do is just take every video from that weekend and just put it on a playlist and, and make popcorn. That's what I would love to do. <laughs> But that's not going to be possible. The rules of evidence and, and procedure are such that I either have to get the the the, the I either have to get these idiots, the, the plaintiffs, to uh, to stick 
everybody who was in the video at Vegas that you. That's the only right. thing I could play, right? Right. Um, that complicates things a little bit because the, the, the plaintiffs are obviously not going to, you know, it's bad for them, right? Right. It's basically all of the video. One of the most conspicuous things about this case is that when the plaintiffs are calling their witnesses, they're not showing video of what happens. They're not like, hey, is this you in this video? And look at these people. So they don't do that because they're going to happen. Okay? They show these pictures, these still frames from video, and then it's up to get us to get up there and be like, yeah, you see this guy standing next to you with the weapon? Yeah, what's his name? I don't know. Of course you don't. I will interrupt to just make one point in this. We're going to get into all of this. And anybody who's watching right now, Joey is watching comments. Ed is watching for, for questions. Very fun topic. If anybody has questions for Ann or for me or, or, or about this or for the next time that I get to talk to Cantwell uh, from jail, I'm, I'd be happy to pass on questions from the audience if they're good questions. But when I see two people arguing and one of, us, one of them is saying, listen to me, listen to these witnesses, we will tell you what happened. And the other one is going, look at the fucking video, I'm going to show you. And someone in the middle is going, I don't know, I don't know if we should let you see the video. And that's a judge and the government in this case, deliberately, I, I'm, I've heard, I, I, I'll, I'll wait to hear um, and, and Ms. Smith's uh, take on the judge here. But you know what you know what, what she thinks about about his motivations. But uh, already, uh, as much as I am, again, uh, you know, you 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 say you chant Jews will not replace us. Fuck you. I'm gonna say that on the record before we get any further into this segment, just to make my you know disagreements with with Mr. <laughs> uh, clear here. But it, it it he is being victimized because he has unpopular opinions. Not because he has criminal liability, and and that fundamental distinction is very obvious here. And 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 thank you for your patience and, and sure. listening. To all <laughs> sure. <laughs> Can I say something about what he was referring to? Um, you're talking about um, video being admitted. There was a moment in the trial when um, the plaintiff's attorney Dunn was. Um, they were they were debating a, a specific piece of video that was going to be shown, and um, uh, she she was. Um, talking in depth about some um, evidence um, rules or something. Um, and uh, it, it, um, she said, we can't uh, break, it, it will change the entire character of the trial. If we allow, if we, uh, you know, if we aren't strict about these evidence rules, everyone at the defense table spontaneously said, we want to admit all video evidence. Every, just, just um, the more, the better. And, yeah. and, um, I think that says a lot. Yes. Thank you. And, and I also <laughs> want to thank you for, putting up with my uh, interesting take on professionalism tonight. For one, uh, we covered this in the opening segment. I was on my chainsaw all day, and I came dressed accordingly for our segment, Make Your Bed, Cut Your Wood. So to anybody who's tuning in for this, it's not just random. But in terms of, like, smoking weed and eating popcorn, that's what takes me listening to myself interview Chris Christopher Cantwell from jail. Uh, it, it takes it from just awkward to at least awkward and fun. So bear with me. Right. These people can't, they, these people can't allow the video. So they, they, they put in these like seemingly sympathetic victims and they're basically our, our, our only option is to sort of like tear them down, which you know, has mixed results, right? Like I have to be really careful with this Romero woman, for example, she had some pretty bad injuries, right? If I'm seen as like, Beating up on 
now, who's got these bad injuries in the hospital, like, even if he's wrong, I look like a dick. I say to be, you know, I had to treat him with kick runs, right? Right. And so, you know, but, the, you know, in any case, I don't know how much video I'm going to be able to get in. I think I'll be able to get in a good amount of it. I already have gotten a pretty good amount of it. I, I've shown the jury that, the, that their side started the fight on August 11th. They know that now. And nobody's refuting that. Um, and so, I still have the, uh, I think, at, the, at a minimum, I'm going to get to be able to play the body camera video from the planning meeting. I'm going to be able to play uh, the body camera video from when they tried to frame me for brandishing. And basically, what you're going to have is a situation where the first crime committed on August 11th was a bunch of guys trying to frame me for a crime. So, first, so good, Christopher, I... August 11th was Thomas Massey, a Philly Antifa. Yeah, no, I... I want to interrupt because I want to cover a few other things very quickly here and kind of a, a sidebar since you brought up Romero who was injured on the day of the rally and you are saying that you do have to respect her victimhood in this case and the fact that you are being accused of having culpability in it uh, means that you at least you know have something to do with it. If, if you had a chance to speak to her without Anybody else there, if it wasn't for the court or the jury, what would you say to her? The truth of the matter is, I don't think I'd have a kind word for Ms. Romero. She's a liar, okay? Ms. Romero knows that she was traveling with an armed mob who was hell-bent on violence. And she's lying to the court. She's lying to the jury. And she's doing that in order to cause you know, trouble for me and my associates and, and really to damn this country to hell. And you, you, think, you, think it's, you think it's purely in the interest then of serving her political ideology? I think it is absolutely, it's, it's ideological, and I think more than that, it's identitarian, okay? Okay, okay. She, she describes herself as a queer woman of color. That's her identity, okay? Right. And, and, she believes that, and she believes that her identity entitles her to certain, you know, privileges and immunities, uh, such as, like, doing violence against her political opponents, and, and, like, that's, I really don't, I don't think that's okay. So... So, with with the uh, three or four minutes we have left, can you speak to what you think of the jury and their experience so far, and how that relates to your uh, uh, impending outcome and your thoughts on uh, Ann Wilson Smith? I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sure who Ann Wilson Smith is. Sorry to say, <laughs> she's written a. She's written a <laughs> And she's covering your case, and we're having her on tomorrow. So I just thought uh, you you might have some some take on that. But if not, please skip ahead to uh, your your thoughts on the jury's experience and your prospects, please. Let me, let me tell you something. Jury selection was riveting, an absolutely like edge of your seat thrilling experience for me. Um, which was like a, it was a, it was a completely different world from my criminal trial. But there was a really it felt like really high stakes because. I don't think that either side was trying to seat an impartial jury. They were looking for... There's a guy on the jury who, who said that he's an anti-fascist and that he believes political violence is sometimes appropriate. Okay? Wow. He's, he's a left-wing... He's, he's, he's literally an Antifa supporter. There's, there's other people on the jury who say that Antifa are terrorists and useless criminals. The biggest, the biggest challenge in this trial is it might end up in a mistrial where the jurors kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wow. And it is... And there's a funny memo... In the public record of this case, that when they got the jury pull up, and we were looking through the questionnaire for jurors, you saw people saying things like, Antifa are useless criminals and terrorists. And, and, the, and the plaintiffs tried to have the court 
automatically remove all those people from clubs. They also wanted to remove anybody who had, was skeptical about mask mandates and stuff. And we're like, mm-hmm. you're just trying to eliminate anybody with like a conservative viewpoint who's not who's not a slave to the Democrat Party, and we're not going to let you do that. Right. So we ended up with a jury that there's a couple of people who I think are sincerely impartial, including a couple of black people who I think are sincerely impartial, and then there's and then the rest of the jury is sort of like I think evenly split between you know. Republican and, and Democrat sort of Protestants, and I think it's going to be, I would love to be a fly on the wall in their place. So, what do you think of their experience in hearing the case so far? I think that they're paying close attention. That's, that's the best thing that I can say about it. I don't get a whole lot of, like, tells from them, mm-hmm. but I, every time I look, they do seem to be paying, they do seem to be intently watching, mm. and uh, that that is hopeful, that gives me a lot of hope, because, as I said in the thing, as long as they pay attention and do what the judge says, I'm going to win. The only way that I lose this thing is if they ignore the evidence and they say, these guys are guilty because I don't like what they stand for. If they pay attention, I win. And so I, have, I feel very good about the jury. All right. Well, I think we're about to get the uh, the one-minute warning here. So, uh, again, I, I appreciate your time and including me uh, on, on your list to hit up every time you get to that jail pay phone there. And uh, my audience appreciates the unique insight into this trial. So the last minute here is yours. Well, I am I'm, uh, grateful for the opportunity to uh, to have this message carried to the Aaron versus the Man audience, which I, uh, I, I think has... We have one minute left. Which I just think has less overlap with my own than it used to. And so <laughs> I, I consider it a great opportunity to be able to speak to all of you. And, uh, and I hope that everybody's paying close attention to this case because it's an important beyond anything you know pertaining to me this is a this is a bigger a bigger thing and i'm and i'm grateful for all the uh, all the attention positive but otherwise if anybody wants to send me money they can do it at jlapf.com i thank you very much uh, for your assistance today adam and uh, i uh, i'll talk to you again soon anything else you want to plug for how people can follow christophercampbell.net and uh so do speak with jared now all right well thank you very much you. sir you're well buddy best of luck in court the caller has hung up. All right. We're going to introduce Ann probably. We're going to get Ed's take. We're going to get Joey's take. But I want to give Ann, before any other interruptions, the chance to respond to that. Uh, well, I agree with what he said about the jury. I think that um, uh, the consensus is that it's pretty balanced and reasonable and, um, you know, it's not stacked against them. Um, as far as the um, how the, the trial is going, I think um, that – the, a lot of the defendants are getting for the first chance to side, um, for the first time a chance to tell their side of the story in public and, and um, getting some information out that the that um, hasn't been widely known before. Um, and Chris has done a lot with his testimony. He's actually, you know, he's been kind of entertaining because you know what he's he's like, but but he is getting a lot. Um, he's asking a lot of thorough questions, getting some um, things on the record. Um, he he got one of the plaintiff's witnesses to um, to. Uh, acknowledge that she has um, anti-fascist um, views, um, not that she's an antifa, but she that she has anti-fascist views. He got another plaintiff's witness to um, acknowledge that um, at the torchlight march, the, the first punch was thrown by a leftist protester. So he's, he's doing some good. Uh, one thing that Chris, um, I guess you talked to him yesterday, didn't comment on, they had a lot of rough testimony for the defense today. They had um, uh, they had a Holocaust expert who is a part of the, the Biden um administration um, testify for um, 
a good length. And um, they had a student who was a, a Jewish student who had witnessed the Torchlight March. And she was talking about how witnessing that march was very traumatic for her. She went on at great length about that. And and afterwards, the, the judge instructed the jury that she is not a plaintiff and they are not to consider her emotional state that she shared. Uh, now, I'm a layperson, not an attorney. I don't understand why why um, that was even presented. Um, because she's not a plaintiff, but um, the rest of the afternoon they spent um, with um, giving the um, some exhibits from two men who are who are defendants who are not participating in the defense. They have um, defaulted or not or um, are, uh, are not there. Um, they read a, a lot of um, uh, social media posts and videos about um, Ray Asmador and. Um, um, some um, video um, testimony from um, Eli um, Mosley. So, and, and that contains for, I, I don't know how many of you know um, or much about them, a lot of um, a lot of speech and material that your average person will find very, very, very offensive. And, um, and the jury has been getting an earful of this all day. So it was, it was kind of a rough day for the defense as far as that. Mm. All right, thank you, Ann. We're going to introduce you probably in a minute, but let's get Joey and Ed up here. Just a quick response specifically to the Campbell interview there, the trial where we're at now, and uh, if, if we have any questions from the audience. Jim, you want to pop Ed and Joey up to join us here? There we go. Ed? Um, I like Mr. Campbell. I, I, he's eloquent, well-spoken man. I haven't heard anything that he said that's gone against anything that, you know, I believe in. in uh, you mean in these interviews? In these interviews. Not, yeah, not the ethnostatist, everything else stuff. No, <laughs> I'm talking about but just so far. The vignettes yeah. the, the of the, the interviews that we've gone through so far. I mean, I I, I, I feel for the man, but I, I honestly believe that he's not going to get the, the weapons charge video from his body body cam introduced into evidence because the judge is going to say it's not germane to the issue. Well, the, the, they'll respect an objection from the, the they'll, plaintiffs. They'll, that that won't get crossed off. Hopefully, he'll get the other two in there. And like like she said, if they are watching, you know, they'll get it. Yeah, it should be more than enough. It should be more than enough. Well, I, again, I, and and I'm gonna we're gonna come back to this with Ann, but the crux of this issue is if you weren't the one striking the blow, but you are talking somewhere behind the person striking the blow, how close, how much proximity do you have yeah. to have before that becomes criminal liability? And if it's political speech, it, 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 you, you have to prove direct conspiracy to do that specifically for people like Kessler and Cantwell to say that, yes, you have that liability. And it's weird because by, by Cantwell having taken this burden of, I'm going to show you, he almost has to prove the negative that there was, that, that, that he didn't have. But yeah. I, I think he has no problem doing that because there's still bur the burden of proving some. Anyway, we'll come back to that with Anne. Thank you, Ed. Joey? I, yeah, Paul Paul is watching on, uh, on Odyssey. He says, uh, I don't agree with his ways, but everyone deserves a fair trial, which, you know, is kind of where I'm at. It's cool to see him get it. Kind of. People get it. You know, I. I, I at least always, a thorough trial and an interesting one. Yeah. And a good activist will fight for somebody's right to free speech, even if they completely disagree sure, with right. it. That's so what we're doing here. Yeah. And, 
and, and being said, duh, I, I hope this goes his way, but having lived in that area, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still hung up in the Fluvanna court system right now. That area is not fair. It's, it's not. And they do what they want in their courts. And that's just how it is in central Virginia around Charlottesville and all the surrounding counties. And I, I you know, I don't have high hopes for that reason. And because and, and it's weird, though, too, because having lived there, it's, it, it, it's not. I don't, I don't want to say it's a primarily racist thinking town, but and I don't want to say it's a primarily racist thinking town, maybe not in Charlottesville where the school is and where a lot of out-of-towners live, but, you know, the areas outside of, um, so the good old it's, boys it's the pot calling the kettle black, the, you know, this being in court in, in that area of all places is like, wow. And they're probably going to nail him to the cross when in their living rooms, they're patting him on the back because they are just as Nazi racist as he. No, I'm sure Anne and I see Anne has some passionate response to that. So get these two off the screen. They will be they will be watching for your comments yeah. and questions spend some time with Anne Wilson Smith and properly introduce her, the author of the brand new Charlottesville Untold Unite the Right, as well as Robert E. Lee, a history book for kids, both produced by Shotwell Publishing. She's lived in South Carolina, or I guess as she calls it, the Republic of South Carolina most of her life, and raised in a family that believes Southern history is something to be cherished. She is the daughter of a preeminent Southern historian and scholar, Clyde N. Wilson. Uh, she is a formidable researcher and writer in her own right, has taken up the difficult task of authoring two books in less than a year, even though she's a wife and mom of two boys, uh, because she believes in the importance of this and making sure that the story of Charlottesville is properly told. She was there, mm -hmm. and she has been seeing over the years how the narrative has, has turned into a political football mm -hmm. and been twisted to serve uh, a lot of demonization of the right, and in some ways, I would say, rightly so, in some ways. And, and I will inter interject editorially to say that the Unite the, Rally, the, Unite the Right rally highlighted a lot of things that I don't like and disagree with. And one of the reasons I'm not part of the right in any way, but also there is an element of, uh, of, of unfair persecution in this. Um, in, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of bullshit back and forth on both sides, find people on both sides. <laughs> presidential thing to say in this case. Um, but what, what Ann Wilson Smith has done is with her firsthand experience with a lot of interviews, uh, with uh, in-depth media, legal research, and looking at drone footage. And she has in the book QR codes that links to this. It's a pretty cool interactive publication in and of itself. And she explains what really happened. So, Anne, uh, thank you so much for joining us and for taking sure. the time to, to listen to that Cantwell interview <laughs> with your analysis. Um, I, do, do you want to start with anything else in, in terms of personal background, or do you want to just jump into what, what is it that is that, that most people have wrong about Unite the Right? Well, anyone who got all their information from the mainstream media um, has, has a completely distorted picture. Um, 
the you know the media presented it as though the a bunch of Nazis laid siege to the city, and um, what what happened um, was uh, that the the right wing protesters were funneled into a park that was surrounded on all sides by left wing protesters, many of whom were armed militants, and um, when the, when the um, order of dispersal was called, they were forced um, uh, under threat of arrest into the, the hostile mob and a lot of chaos mm. took place. Um, the, the police, um, there was a, there was an independent report. Um, the, the city paid for it that um, done by a, a prosecutor. Um, they, they interviewed 150 people. They looked at all the video. They could get their hands on all the documents. Um, they had a public tip line. They produced a report, was 250 pages long, very thorough, and they very, um, they, they laid the blame on um, the authorities, specifically, um, primarily the Charlottesville Police Department, basically, who were, who were completely passive all day long and allowed chaos to ensue. Um, and so all the fighting um, took place because of that. And I think most people don't don't realize the the um, the fault of the authorities that um, that contributed to what happened. Yeah, I, I think from my own research, even before this point and, and looking at the Cantwell uh, case right now, it was pretty clear that it's it sort of like made it happen on purpose or let it happen on purpose. But the police, by by what they were supposed to be doing, were at very least in, in abject failure. So uh, I, I think I want to come back to later to, to the significance of that. But tell us a little bit then about your story how you got from well first of all why were you there what was your role participating and how did that lead you to where you are today with this book well um my my background and my my connections are um, mostly southern heritage um southern preservation and um and i'm from uh have live in columbia south carolina and the confederate flag has always been a big issue and when um when when the Dillon Roof incident happened and they reacted by taking down the flag, that sort of led to uh, open the floodgates to the monument and symbol removal. And I was very frustrated that nobody was really standing up to it effectively. So uh, when I heard about Unite the Right, it was going to be a big, bold stand um, against the destruction of American history. I thought I, I should be supportive of it. And I really had no idea what it would turn into. I think most of the people there had no idea what it would turn into. Can I, can I interrupt just to ask you to, Describe your own political ideological orientation, how it relates to some of the organizers or, or prominent voices and the mischaracterization ideologically of, of that crowd. Uh, wow. Well, I'm, I don't know, because I don't really affiliate with any particular um, political party or group. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm a Southerner and I'm a Christian and I don't I, I just don't put a lot of faith in politics to, to solve things. I don't uh, you know, I have an interest in in some of the, um, the populist stuff that was going on at the time. And there was a lot of things online that were really exciting and interesting. And there was a lot of uh, people were discussing things in the early Trump era that had not been discussed before. So so I guess I, I was interested in the, you know, the populist aspect of what was going on. No, I appreciate that 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 populism and that the heritage and, and the, the cultural battle lines that were being drawn could be enough to attract someone without any, you know, malicious statism or racism or anything like that. But I got, I mean, I got to ask you, do you find yourself generally agreeing with people like Richard Spencer, one of the primary organizers with Kessler, with Cantwell, uh, mm -hmm. 
when they chant, Jews will not replace us when they advocate. Well, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said that. No, no, I do. I, I mean, I share some of the concerns about the demographic change, I think, but I think that's a, you know, a lot of Americans. Were, were, you, know. were you there for the, the torchlight? Moment? No, no like that, that was planned um, relatively uh, privately compared to, you know, it wasn't widely advertised. It was, it was, it was on a discord server and not everyone knew about it. That now some, some of the, um, the counter protesters found out about it ahead of time, but most people I don't think knew about that. And I didn't know until I saw it on online. So, I mean, would you call yourself a sort of mm, libertarian leaning moderate? It sounds like mostly politically. Yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. You know, because if, if that's the case, this is this is a very interesting distinction to draw in the unite the right crowd is that while there were fascist ideological ethnostatists there were people led leading it like Richard Spencer and, and and Christopher Cantwell there were a lot of people like Ann Smith who were there for sort of reasons that that we as libertarians would find maybe boring or weird or just like sentimentalist perhaps in the, in the well, heritage like I, said, I have a southern heritage background i interviewed a good many, many people that you know that really do care about the you know the robert e lee monument that that, that was their, you know legit with with no malice and, and no ideological motivation it's, it's a pure sentimentality and heritage thing for a lot of people and i i, I respect and acknowledge that at least yeah and the, the the concept of unite the right was to bring a lot of groups together which had a lot of differences so there was a broad spectrum of, of beliefs represented there i think now and, now i think some people did start to shy away when they saw that the more extreme people were, were planning to attend okay so uh, back to your story please how does it lead you to writing the book well because um having been there it was it's just really appalling to see how um what a dishonest portrayal was in the news. Uh, it, it's just, it was the opposite of what happened. It was just, it's almost kind of traumatic to see something um, take on a life of its own that you know is completely false. And, um, you know, it's, it, mm. I, I felt like since I knew what had really happened and I, I just, somebody needed to take all the facts that were out there and compile them and, you know, put the evidence together for, because, um, I think a lot of people know better than to trust the news, but they just never had an opportunity to hear any alternative information. So I just thought it would be really good to pull it all together and, and explain it for people that were willing to listen to that. Ed, did you need to interject? Yes, I really would. Uh, um, I, I'd like to commiserate with you. Okay. Here. <laughs> I'd like to commiserate with you just a little bit in that I happen to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, oh. okay? And in listening to your story from start to finish, there were 19 points in there that just stabbed me right in the heart because I felt the exact same way. Perfect it parallel. Perfect. Like they're like the same playbook. I mean, yeah. they, they, they hijacked what we tried, to, the, the conservative right, tried to do the right thing it got hijacked by the media left and they took it in the direction they wanted to and no matter how much those of us that were there scream the truth about what we saw we're nobody we're nothing and that doesn't count it's what mm -hmm. people see on tv yes. that counts i've heard a lot of people say draw the comparison between charlottesville and the january 6th I think there there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of similarities. I think at least in, in the way the the media handled um, the the aftermath. 
Yeah, and so this is this is getting to the bigger lesson. We're going to come back to this, and I hope you can stick with us a little longer than we planned to cover all this. If you don't mind staying to the end of the hour, I think we'd there'd be awesome to make this feel complete. Um, but I want to I want to get ahead to the, uh, the the case and the trial now. What do you think of the plaintiffs coming in trying to hold the organizers accountable through conspiracy? And and um, you know what's what's it been like? attending this what's your connection with well I'm, I'm not attending but I'm, I'm i'm listening there's a public audio line um it's um it, it's, well, fa it's fascinating it's very very interesting um you know the there's a lot of very interesting colorful people there um as you know cantwell and also richard spencer are pro se so um you get to hear a lot of them um and you're going to hear a lot about unite the right that most people haven't heard yet um as, as far as the case i i think it's um, everyone on the defense side who, who's at least who's involved with it has adamantly said there is um, there's no evidence of conspiracy to be found, that this is lawfare, that they're trying to you know, drag us through a lengthy court proceeding to bankrupt us. They're trying to, you know, look through our um, there's been a lot of discovery and they've gotten to comb through tons and tons of um, electronic communications. Um, and, and, you know, there the. The defendants are adamant there is no conspiracy to be found, and um, I think that it's, it's a matter of, of a um, the, the plaintiffs. Um, there's some very prestigious attorneys. The, um, the the head attorney has argued before the Supreme Court successfully. She has offices in the Empire State Building. A bunch of um, you know companies and, and personalities you would recognize their names. They've got donors from Hollywood and Silicon Valley. This is like a you know all the yeah. big guns and and these and and the defendants are um they're they're either working class some of them are indigent some of them have declared bankruptcy since the proceedings have been going on so it's it's a very very uneven um you know uh fight right now and um i, I don't know i think I, I think that's true that there was no conspiracy i, I agree with that mm. Mm. I mean, so much. I I, mean, I could talk to you for hours because I want to get into the trial. Um, what have you thought of the proceedings, the fairness, and uh, Cantwell's performance? <laughs> um, well, as, as as far as the fairness, I'm not a, a legal person, and I don't have a lot to compare it to. I I think um, the the judge seems pretty reasonable when he's he's making his his um, you know calls about you know uh, the the evidence and, um, and questions. Yeah, but but I'm I'm confused why some of the people the things were admitted that were they were allowed to be admitted, like you know, the the you know the student who's not a plaintiff. Um and um I so I, I wonder if he's allowing that to be admitted. Um I I, I really don't know that much about I, I don't know how to how to tell you that, but um he he has ruled against Unite the Right um causes in the past though. So I don't know. <laughs> what do you think of Cantwell? And uh, I, I mean, I, I have been hearing, you know, I haven't, I've only gotten limited quotes so far. We, it's, we well, you know, he's always, he's always interesting and entertaining and that just, you know, did not disappoint in that way, but, but he's also, he has been asking a lot of thorough questions and, you know, gotten some good things on the record. And, um, and he's, you know, he seems to be really, um, determined um and and he's getting a lot of information on record and making a lot of good points that the, that even the paid attorneys haven't made um as far as what the antifa were doing things like that 
he told me he was going to be nice and polite and and kiss the judge and and jury's butts during this trial and be the other the, the other side of his personality compared to his on-air personality. He, he was flattering the jury, jury. He was saying, "I know you're too smart to fall for this," and you know things like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's. I. I mean, I got it, it, so uh, to Ed's point earlier <clears throat> about saying like I didn't hear anything. I disagreed with Cantwell. Um, it is. It, it's a weird thing, and and so you know this, Anne, about my experience with him. Like he used to be. An, an anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist, libertarian, uh, and and almost exactly in line with my views. Before he took a turn back in 2013 when I went to jail. Well, he was at that point he was co-hosting my show, and he was still pretty close to me, but he had just taken that turn. And then and then he went he went further away. And it's a weird thing now for me to have someone who's been a friend. I've debated him. I beat him arm wrestling when he outweighed me by 40 pounds. Um, I've, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I beat him in the debate too, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I, I have incredible respect for his intellect mm-hmm. and his communications ability. Mm-hmm. Un, un, unbelievable. He is so fucking smart. He actually has gotten a, a giggle out of a plaintiff's witness when he was doing her, her cross-examination. She was, you know, talking about how um, how she was walking with um, a bunch of, uh, how did she put it, students and mothers. And he said, oh, and kittens and puppies. And <laughs> she actually giggled. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's uh, that's that takes some talent to get the person you're, you know, opposing who's suing you to, to giggle at your joke. My, my hope for well is that he learns enough from this trial and what it takes to actually like make friends and influence people that he changes his online personality he goes oh i could be an i could be that guy instead mm-hmm. i don't know i think i think he got misled in a lot of ways into uh online sensationalism but anyway and back to the case what do you feel about the judge's motivation in this especially uh, in light of what you know about the legal system in in Virginia and what Joey said of it being um, somewhat of a good old boy network, uh, maybe behind a little bit culturally, maybe uh, genuinely inclined to more racism. I don't want to put that label on it, but I'll respect Joey's characterization of her experience there. But yes, it's a unique old, old boy network kind of corruption. Well, I, I think Moon is a Clinton appointee. I don't know how much that tells you, but um, he—I think he's a, a little more. Maybe I, I don't really know that much, but I, I would guess he's more of like an old school Democrat, if I had to guess. Do you think he's trying to to sway things one way or another? Do you think he's trying it's to? Not, it doesn't not not in any obvious way. No, because because you you let, let, I mean let's zoom out. To the, to the big picture for a second because you see this distortion of the narrative mm-hmm. know that there are motivations behind it mm-hmm. and you know that there are a lot of overlapping interests between the ideological drivers of even this trial and the institution that funds the judge and the cops who enforce his will he's part of the same he's mm-hmm. he is he is inherently institutionally mm-hmm. Of the plaintiffs here going into this case, but he also has an interest in maintaining a semblance of objectivity. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Uh, 
I, I just I don't know that much in depth stuff about about the judge. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I know he's um, he ruled against something um, else for for Unite the Right, the uh, a different civil matter. So and it was against precedent. So they were surprised. The Holocaust expert um, that was today. Yes. Did you get to catch that whole segment? Uh, I, a lot of it. Yeah. What did What did you think? Uh, well, I didn't really understand why why it was relevant. Do the plaintiffs called a Holocaust expert yeah. to try to show the culpability of these rally organizers mm -hmm. to the injuries of the the plaintiffs? Right. And she did explain a lot of what they're you know the 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 background and symbolism and things like that. But at, I, I'm still confused because it doesn't really have anything to do with whether they conspire, whether these individuals conspire to create racially motivated violence at a rally. I, it's it's kind of almost beside the point of, you know, what they're supposed to be determining for, for the case. Sure. Well, there could be, there could be an element of, well, we're decoding because this is one of the mm -hmm. things that they've been accused of, right? Yeah. In conspiring, they're using, they're using coded language that mm -hmm. you know, only the online alt-right crowd would understand. Only, only Nazi and Hitler enthusiasts would understand and it's this symbol and that code word and things like that is, 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 does it seem like they're trying to use the whole for that way yeah i think I, I, yeah definitely she was explaining a lot of the sim symbolism and terminology that you know and they're they're reading a lot of the discord chat and the, yeah so it does it does cover some of that the, you, you, know. you got making a stretch when you're saying this person is responsible for my injuries let me bring in a holocaust expert mm -hmm. To, to yeah, bail. I, I agree. To, I mean, to me, and you know, and I, not being an attorney, just just watching as a layperson, it seems to me like they're trying to, you know, push the emotional buttons for the jury yeah. more Was so there, than present necessary did, facts. Did any of the defendants object to a Holocaust expert being called as a witness? No, I, I mean, they may have done it, you know, earlier. Um, tried to object, but no. What during during her testimony, nobody objected to to anything. Well. I mean, it's kind of like let the defense hang themselves with their own absurdity, right? I don't know. They, now the defense really had, there's a lot that they have yet to present. So um, right. I, I, I'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of information that the public doesn't know. And they, you know, they'll hopefully we'll have a chance to get that side, side of the story out. Yes, we'll see how much the judge decides to admit as, as evidence, yeah. especially with videos, as Cantwell described there. So back to the big picture then, Anne, with what you see as the distortion of the Charlottesville story, what was, I mean, the essential distortion, What, if you can just rephrase it, what was the essential distortion? What was the narrative they wanted? Why? And how does this trial now bolster that narrative? Well, I mean, the narrative was that the, that the, um, the right wing, the rally organizers were doing something um, violent. They were trying to, um, to to harm people. That it was uh, that it was malintentioned, um, and uh, that the the counter protesters were um, the um, the innocent victims. Um, and uh, that nobody really has brought up enough to my in my opinion, the, the fact that the, the role that the authorities played. You know, for example, the the car accident um, the um, that James Fields was convicted of, uh, 
happened about an hour and a half after the dispersal order was given about um, and the um, state of emergency had been declared. Now, with hundreds and hundreds of police officers assigned to this event, why were there still, you know, major crowds of people roaming the streets an hour and a half after the state of emergency was declared? So in, in, in my opinion, there, there should have been no opportunity for that accident to happen. It shouldn't have it should have happened because, you know, if the authorities had been proactive instead of passive, then the streets should have been cleared long before. Um, so. Well, let, let's get Ed up on here. I know he's got a few more things he's burned to say and, and, and questions for Ann. We've well, he said, I, I can tell you. She's... Not really. Hmm? I, I don't have much burning going on with this here other than it's it's. To me, it's blatant misuse against the First Amendment, hands down. He's got video that shows his side of the story. You know, I think they should be just relying on the video, definitely. Well, so this, Ed, that's what I want, but you're, get, you're getting at what I wanted to, to get to to kind of tie this all together. And that's, what are the implications? Because I look at this, and as someone who's organized rallies before, I go, well, yeah, I don't want to do that because that would make us vulnerable to this. Like, we can't be so inclusive. We can't be inclusive of anybody who the mainstream media could possibly portray as racist because they said something on Twitter a year ago, right? Or they laughed at a racist joke on video. If we include them, now we're a racist rally and they might infiltrate with, with, with instigators. And, well, we can't do a march like that because – then that, do you see what I'm saying? Like, is, is that part of it? You can't defend and, we're, and see, you that's, and that's what gets this trial. To, to Part of the importance of this trial is that if Cantwell and, and Kessler and Spencer are held liable as organizers for something that, for violence that someone did at their event, and and their creation of the event is, is legally constituted as conspiracy to, to make that violence happen, then anybody who hosts any political event will can, can be shut down because they'll, they'll run the same exact playbook. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a and and you know the the mainstream media is pre presenting this as you know hate on trial or you know the the victims are getting um you know, are getting justice or, or whatever. But and I don't think that the public really realizes the implications of this are that you know the the authorities stand down, chaos ensues, and then they the, the people who are trying to um you know exercise their First Amendment rights are are um are blamed for it and are, are sued into oblivion that that that's a very chilling effect on the first amendment, you know, for, for anybody. And, and that is what the, the, the plaintiff's attorneys have even said in public that the, their intention is. And you have, you have questions for Ann as our expert following the case closely about the mechanics of it, or do you, how far up the ladder do you feel this is going to go? Because I got a feeling that they're going to railroad him and the jury's going to say, no, 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 you know, he's guilty and he's going to appeal and it's going to go up. And they'll probably do it again and he'll still go up even higher. How far up do you think it's going to go before justice actually looks at the video and says, hey, they didn't conspire? 
well, I, I don't really know with the civil suit. I know that Jason Kessler has a, um, a First Amendment suit against the city um, of, of Charlottesville. And that's what I was saying was was dismissed. Um, he was, was saying that the um, they allowed a heckler's veto by by not protecting the rally. And that that was dismissed and he's appealed and that's still pending. And he's um, Kessler has said because he thinks that the um, in different parts of the country have different rules about this, that if, if they don't win the appeal, that, that there is a chance that the Supreme Court could hear this just because there's so much difference across the country and, and how this, um, and this issue was handled. So um, it could go to the Supreme Court, um, you know, hypothetically. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, maybe we should have Mark Victor on next week as a legal analyst to comment on this case if he's been following it. Um, our friend Mark Victor uh, from Phoenix, the name of his firm, Attorneys for Liberty. Is that it? I don't want to make sure I'm not getting it. Liberty Attorneys. It's Attorneys for Liberty or something. Yeah. Uh, Mark Victor, great attorney. I'd love to hear his take on this and, and where this would go and, and where that exact you know line of culpability is. But for now, I mean, we, we only have, you know, and for a few more minutes here, I I, I want, I, I'm not sure what questions to ask, but what I want to, to try to understand is really what are they trying to do with this aside from a general chilling effect aside from demonization of the right aside from like those general narratives like is is there more is there something more they're to trying it, to stop conservatism yeah yeah they're they're trying to just you know oh. silence their political enemies it's that i think it's that simple they're trying to you know it, it's just too costly to um for certain groups of people to um it, it, exercise their First Amendment rights because they, they could be, you know, um, if, if the, the authorities don't do their job, they can be, um, they can be prosecuted if they defend themselves, they can be sued if they, um, for, you know, conspiracy or whatever. So, and, and they've said that, that that is their intention to, um, to suppress, well, white supremacists, but you know, that has how loosely that's defined nowadays. Right, all right, we have a comment from Facebook user on yeah. Facebook. Uh, January 6th, BLM, Unite the Right, Occupy Wall Street, Tea Party, federal agents and other establishment-funded saboteurs keep getting worse. More efficient organizing slash networking, transparency and commitment to democratic principles could help to shore up, shore up our defenses against such shenanigans. I, I really like that point. Um, but, but I would suggest rather than... Uh, it's sort of like we are the we are the rebels against the empire. We we will never beat them in a force on force battle. And the idea of of even maintaining these tactics when the Sabbath, I mean, is this the is this the answer? Because like they're still they're still beating people up over Charlottesville, and they're just and, and what would you say, Ed? I mean, they, by the way, so you know, and Ed's cell phone was stolen by FBI agents a hundred feet from here. Um, with, with warrant, you know, over because he was at January sixth. Just for being there. Just for being there. Um, no, no other specific accusations to Ed at any point in this process, right, Ed? Correct. And if their saboteur infiltration game is that good, we we got to completely change tactics, you know, or or uh, you know, strategy. So efficient organizing, networking, isn't going to defend you from this. You know, transparency, commitment to democratic principles isn't going to defend you from this. Um, but embracing tactics that are not vulnerable to the sabotage might at this point 
be essential. And that maybe that's the ultimate lesson for us as activists is to say that even traditional concepts of rallies and organizing aren't a thing anymore because the saboteurs are too be- too good in their in their tactics. And it might be it might just be Republicans or Democrats. I'm not being like FBI, COINTEL, Pro, you know, upper levels, you know, silly yes, Secret are. Service conspiratorial. Suge- well, I'm suggesting it, but I'm not saying it's necessarily that. It could be as I mean the techniques have been why 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 not have the FBI COINTEL Pro when they got busted just like outsource that shit to Democrats and Republican you know covert operatives, um, and and if if we as activists and, and this is where the, the the kinship of conservatives and libertarians is real is that in, in many conservatives share the, the a general a genuine libertarian principle of wanting government to have less power. And anybody who wants to take power away from this powerful, violent criminal institution is going to have to consider what strategy is effective and what isn't and constantly be considering that what worked yesterday is not going to work today or possibly ever again. And in terms of the narrative, your thoughts on those strategic implications, uh, I know you're not the same kind of uh, you know, committed activists that we are, but I think with your your recent authorship, you you really uh, you absolutely are in, in a way. And maybe you know, writing at least writing books, it, it's hard to get shot or or accused of a crime for writing a book. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah. Start writing anonymously soon, and uh, writing stickers to put up around town instead of writing books. But and um, you know what what. Please take take whatever time you want to 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 try to make this complete for us. Well, I I don't really know of a silver bullet fix. I know um, you know that there's I mean that Charlottesville was a game changer and and that that a lot of things are more difficult now and a lot of people are are more um, afraid to put themselves out there now. Um, and and I, I wish I had a a brilliant solution, but I don't I don't really know what the next step is. Well, we. Uh, I think we, humanity, the freedom movement, the cause, we appreciate, uh, we activists appreciate you illuminating the fuckery involved here that we all have to be just to be conscientious, engaged, informed American citizens that this is part of the political playbook of the duopoly now. Uh, This is how the left and right fights, whatever side you're on, uh, but also... A lot of times when I see the, the left beating up on the right, I think it's in, in a loud, visible way, it's their cover for the fact that they beat up so hard on the libertarians that we can't even be heard anymore. Uh, and the, and the, the common sense voices that don't neatly fit into their demonizable pigeonholes uh, are, are even more shut out of the conversation as a result. And, and so in, in your work, in, in, uh, your persistence with this, and thank you. I'm I'm grateful for your work as as an author, as a journalist, and I would say no, as an activist as well. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us, Anne. All right, so we got one more quick segment, and then we're gonna get to uh, comments and uh, ombudsman and and rap here. And I gotta I gotta do my shout out to the fabulous app. Uh, a lot of people have seen just over the last two weeks. I've been in a better mood that are organized and one of the big things for me that i i have been able to just sort of barely 
identify as a psychological phenomenon of my own is that I, prior to this app, wasted a lot of time going, is this what I should be doing right now? Is this what I should be doing right now? Is this what I sh- is this the best use of my time right now? Did I get this done today? Did I get that done today? And even when I wake up in the morning and my phone is there, and my phone used to say, you have these messages and these messages and these messages, Lord. Instead, what I do now in the morning, the first thing I do is I turn on my fabulous app morning routine. And it's just a checklist. It's 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 relatively simple. There's some fun features that they build into it. But the way I use this app, it's basically three checklists. I have a morning routine, I have a workday routine, and I have an evening routine. And my morning routine, well, every day starts fucking awesome. You know what my morning routine is, Ed? First thing on my to-do list, put on motivating music. Fucking music. Don't check your text messages. Put on motivating music every morning, every morning, every morning. The last two weeks, Ed, that's how my day starts. That's why I'm in a good mood. That's why I'm motivated. There's no shit. It's just like like that. Hold on, Joey. Gee, I'm Mary Jane. I'll get to the weed part of my checklist. It's you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this. Okay, so no, you well, sort of. Okay, so I get up. First thing on my to-do list is put on motivating music. I usually have to wake up because I gotta take a shit right away. So sometimes getting dressed and going to take a shit takes priority, but that's fine because I can check things off out of order on my checklist. No big deal. But my guideline is every morning, I have it in order. I put on motivated music. I take my vitamins. And right now, I'm doing a fat burner that's got caffeine in it. And that's my thing in the morning. So it's like, boom. Not even waiting for coffee. And then I have drink water. It's not take a sip of water with your vitamins. It's drink water. I'll sit there and I'll take at least two big swigs out of my, my creatine drink jug. I love it. I put a little flavor squirts. And I put the creatine in it the night before it's all ready for me. And I get up and that, and then, and then I go to the bathroom. So it's, it's, mo- well, actually it's, then it's make your bed. So it's, it's motivating music. First take care of head. So motivating music. I'll stop singing sublime. Cause well, no, I can't. We're on, we're on Odyssey. I can poorly sing whatever pop tunes I want without getting, uh, <laughs> I don't think we've ever been pinged for copyright violation for my singing. Yeah, All right. <laughs> doesn't trigger the content match algorithms (laughs) it's barely even in tune uh but anyway so motivating music take vitamins drink water make your bed then go to the bathroom so it's what do i have to do to get from the bed to the bathroom feel the day is starting i'm motivated and then i have 10 minutes on my schedule i go to the bathroom usually just take a shit wash my hands and that's it but it's designated that's the time any hygiene issues i have I got a zit, I got to pop, an ingrown hair I got to pull out. I got something else going on, whatever it is. I got some ointment I got to put on. I got that time in the morning and it's done. It's done. I don't have to think twice about it. And that's so fucking valuable for me. I feel so much better organized and and uh, time efficient with my thoughts, especially, but, but even with my actions. So then check messages. I have a designated time in the morning, catch up on my my, my telegram and my text messages. And that's, it's done. It's out of the way. I'm not having ongoing conversations. I'm not getting sucked in to bullshit drama. I'm not, uh, no. Check text messages and then suddenly, you know what's next? Dog time. Patrol with the girls. We do a prim, and I've been doing this really consistently. I get up and I get my dog interaction time and training time. I go for a walk. And Ed, you know, the perimeter here is only half a mile, few ups and downs, but it's, it's a great little 
morning hike with my dogs ritual. So I get up and I, I, I walk. And it's usually more than half a mile altogether. And, you know, I do a lot of stops and I take the girls out. I make sure they sit and that they, they're they well behaved. They get their train time. They, they go pee, go potty first thing. Then we heal. I'm teaching my three dogs to walk in formation behind me. It's fucking amazing. So I do that and I get that out of the way. I bring them back and I feed them. And then I go back to my to-do list and there are a few things to wrap up my morning routine, like clean my house and just look around. And, and, and I have a, another reminder for that for my workday routine. If I'm in the office or if I'm in the cabin, it's on my to-do list, clean your space. And it can, it grounds me and connects me. How many times do I sit before this, would I sit down in the middle of clutter? So I got this thing I got to do now. No, if it's not an emergency, and any of this I can vary. I'm not a slave to this. But if it's not an emergency, stop what you're doing. Ground yourself in your space. That's what that reminder is. Clean your space. So Joey knows I've been in the habit. It's really good when we're using the uh, I'm so glad. wood-burning stove in the in the house. I, I, I sweep. I, I, usually, I, I sweep almost every... Unless we're about to make a mess with like sawdust. I sweep every morning and tidy up the cabin. And if I come to the office at the end of my morning routine, my workday routine starts, I do the same thing. I have reminders in there. I connect with someone I love and develop my relationships, which is why like every morning, somewhere in the morning routine, I make a point to have a meaningful interaction with Joey. I make a point to virtually by text message connect to someone I love. And then the last thing, the last, (laughs) well, no, because this is Joey, because this is it. Hold on. It's not that, oh, if I don't put on my checklist, I'm going to forget to love people. No, it's that if if I have a daily reminder and it's part of my morning routine, I'm not at the end of the... I'm not, no, no, hold on. standard for your whole day. Yes, but but also at the end of the week, I'm not going, did I talk to my mom? Have I been kind of isolated this week? Have I, oh, shit, I haven't. It's just every morning, you know, boom, like, and it's there. And the last thing in my morning routine is love yourself, which is my reminder to Or masturbate. It's love yourself is one of the activities that you can add to your checklist on the Fabulous app. And one of the fun things about the Fabulous app is that it allows you to connect your routines to bigger goals. Like if you want to lose weight, for example. Totally. You build in your health routine, your diet routine, and motivation. One of my, also my morning, oh, there's one, before, before checking my text, I forgot something. There's one thing. It says, I feel great today. Tell yourself, I feel great today. And it's a dumb, fucking, cheesy, personal affirmation that I got from the app. I'm good uh, enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people, people like me. Like no, but I feel great today. That, like, but, and, and you know, you know what's important about this? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before I had this app, I would check text messages before taking a shit, getting dressed, making my bed. I was an asshole to right. people. Like, if I stop, so before I take, before I go and check my messages, the thing on my checklist is tell yourself I feel great today. And if I took a shit, I usually feel pretty good, <laughs> right? So. I've got to thank the famous app. So the, you are, you are fabulous, 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 fabulous. Because I'm organized. You are, and, I'm and, and my the, daily... the morning show it was difficult because it was wake up and get right on that, yeah. get right on this. But and, that would have made it better forget, too. And you forget self, and you forget home, and yeah. it's really easy to get hung up in the day, and then you're involved in 15 different things, none of which are important right away. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. 
then I have my workday routine <clears throat> and it's, it starts with drink water, drink water, clean your, clean the space and uh, block distractions. And then it's to-do list. So if I get to that part of my work, like today, I skipped it today. It was battle buddies, construction shit. We skipped all that. We still got to do the quick battle buddies update for the week. At least we got a lot of, we got a lot of ground. We broke today. We got a lot of stuff going on, but <clears throat> excuse me. My oh, work day routine. Is great. Huh? Your hair is great. Great back. All right. Um, sawdust everywhere. Uh, so my work day routine, like I have my prep things for my work day. I get to my before I open my laptop, I get to my workspace. I drink water and I connect with my space, right? And then it's to-do list. And I have my to-do lists organized sort of separately for work. And it's like, okay. Now I have office to-do list time. I'm going to jump into my to-do list and I can prioritize. And then I have a, I have a lunch break built into my checklist that is um, take vitamins, stretch, meditate, and then dog time, and then back to work. And I have it broken down some other ways I'm not going to get into right now. Um, but fun stuff. And I have that all built into my routine and it ends, you know, and if I get to, I have, I have flexibility built into this. And I'm not strict at all about doing everything on my list every day. But what I'm trying to be strict with, I'm doing a pretty good job, is looking at it consistently every day. So like today, Ed, for example, I did my morning routine. And when my morning routine is done, I go, my work routine starts with chainsaw. Well, it starts with unloading the truck and getting the tools together and chainsaw and, and build site, right? So I just went into that. But then I checked in with my list in the middle of the day. And I said, okay, wait, so dog time. Well, the dogs are hanging out. They don't need exercise. I'm getting to hang out with them. We're good. Check. Take my vitamins. Okay, I'm going to walk. I, and I came back to the cabin and took my vitamins. Done. I've been drinking water all day. Check. I don't need to stop and have a reminder to do that. Clean my space. No, it's outside. I'm I cleaning think, I think, all day. Okay, but this is how I use it. I want to <laughs> share this with people in a practical because this is really important as a just how I use it. So then my evening routine or my bedtime routine you know, starts with the self-care stuff and it's just making sure it's all checked off. And it's, I have a routine where if there's, if there's no other, like today, it's my, my evening is supposed to start at seven o'clock. It's seven ten PM right now. So I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's it. No. So I go, okay, wait, it's seven ten. Whenever I pull up my, you know what it's, you know what that starts with a reminder to put on chill music every evening. Hey, days winding down. It's chill music time. Seven, ten, seven o'clock. Oil upside down. It's it's seven o'clock. <laughs> Boobs. All right. It's seven o'clock. Chill music. Take care of your food. Shower. Walk the girls. Take care of the dogs. And then I have you know I get settled and I, I try to make time to read every night. If I don't, if I you know if if it's ah fuck, it's time to go to bed. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip. The, you know, I have thirty minutes, but if I if I what I've been doing is I've been reading reading the dog training book at night. Usually, usually more like ten minutes. I don't get like to reading, um, but I'm I'm trying to step up to that and giving myself that consciousness of of directing my day and giving myself at the same time the freedom to completely vary from it has as it's felt really good. And so I, I recommend this app, and um, I paid it's like four dollars a month for the premium because if you're gonna put that much time into it. Four dollars a month is fucking insignificant. You know, help the people who are giving you this tool, right? And uh, customer services, eh, okay on it, but and and the, and the functionality is it's slightly glitchy, 
but overall works great. Very powerful, very effective day to day. I love it. And and you, you can use it, I think, effectively with the free version even, um, for like the way that the core functionality of what I'm doing. I also have four invites left. No, three, because I when I signed up for premium, they gave me five month free passes to share with other people. So I got one for Joey. I got one for our friend Mercedes. Who do you know needs this app, Joey? I, I <laughs> Mercedes, no Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. Mercedes you think of Mercedes is like no, and, and Mercedes. I'm sure she doesn't mind me making fun of her for being scattered on air because she's done it herself. I'm not saying anything. She had a video. Yeah, if there's someone who needs this app, it's her. But I don't think I would ever stop using this. I mean, I might at some point have it independent, Look, but this is amazing. I, mean, I just I feel like this app has gotten you on a schedule that I've kind of held myself. Like, that's like my mornings are so important and, and maybe it doesn't get as in-depth the rest of the day although i do keep checklists on my calendars and my google notes like crazy but my mornings right wake up it was it used to be wake up have a cigarette right that was, manage my, your that bowels. was my ground manage my bowels right uh coffee smoothie right there's be music there, like, and that a good two hours. Like, I need that to unwind. And it's shorter now because my diet's more intact. But throughout my life, no matter when I wake up, and it's been different because I've worked night shifts, I've worked day shifts. That first two hours in the morning is so important to the rest of my day. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that it's good healthy habits. We're there. It's great. And it's and and for me, it's good healthy habits. Part of it too. If and it's, it's like if it's laundry day, get the laundry load. together. You know, clean everything up. A vacuum, even yeah. like just get it yeah. all out of the way. And then it, also, you can use this. Uh, one of the other things is like being more consistent with your sleep. And I haven't quite got to that, but I've been pretty good lately overall. Not so much since you've gone, but <laughs> before Oops. that, I was perfect. So let's get. We should have Ed and Joy up on screen. And that, that's that's about all I got to say for the fabulous app, but I I'm loving it. Um, we got Ed and Joey up here. Quick uh, homefront battle buddies update. You want to talk about our our suicide? Our, well, the training we completed, the suicide prevention training we're looking at, the build site. <clears throat> yes, uh, Adam and I participated. Uh, veterans resource navigation training, and. Now we're next, we're in line for uh, working on suicide prevention. Um, hopefully. Uh, training in Bozeman, Montana later on this month. Um, we're fulfilling the training requirements to get plugged into Be Connected to Arizona, which is uh, the premier network of all of the veterans service organizations and assistance and everything in the state yeah, of Arizona. I'm going to interrupt for a quick fundraising sure. plug on that. Sure. Uh, the, the training that we're going to itself is free led by the former Navy chaplain who's been combat deployed. Right. right. And uh, with 30 years active duty time in the military. So I'm very excited to be attending this. Um, we are going down the day before veterans day Sidebar announcement, I'm still moderating the Libertarian gubernatorial primary debate, which is, we actually have a good, 
gubernatorial primary contest for Good. who wants to represent the LP in the race this year. <clears throat> and uh, but we 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 are going to need funds for a flight back and forth, and for logistics. And if someone is in Bozeman who maybe wants to drive me around for a couple of days or a spare bedroom or donate yeah. for, yeah. we need money for just basic refresh. logistics, uh, flight back refresh. and forth. I need, to I need to refresh. Oh, excuse me. Is that what that goes <laughs> to? You guys are muted as well. He was, he's just, he was just beginning to, uh, his audio would cut every once in a while, and his video froze there for a second, so he needed a quick refresh. When Adam went away, this, we couldn't hear. Ed. You know, when your mom said, if you make this face, it'll stay that way forever, what she meant is, if you make that face, your internet connection will go out right when you're... <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, I'm back. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, so I was just saying, if, if anybody in Bozeman, Montana can help us out, uh, that's shit next week weekend after this right. week and a half from now right so um, just to let us know yeah. battle buddies at gmail.com um i'm we I'm, have a cash app and a paypal yet we we have a donation page on our website yeah. and if anybody does not see how they want to donate we are not offended in any way acknowledging we are currently under financially organized if you want us to set up something for your donation specifically right. at this point, it goes to the top of our to-do list. So we got, I think yeah, we just have, but if, if someone says, I'm going to donate by, it, it's definitely on our list, Joey. I don't think we've got it on the website yet, unless Ted's. Actually, and, and since we got our corporate cards, we can add the, uh, the what is it, Waymo? What, there's Venmo. Venmo. And Zell. And Zell. Zell. Zell would be the best way people can do direct deposit from their account to our account by it's it's like instant it's it's like bank bank wire well the thing about Zell is it's directly into the checking account so if you have a checking account you don't have to go through a third party Zell Z E L L E is a bank network app right for most banks basically works like a free wire transfer it's the most efficient way you do paypal you pay out the ass commission fees yeah i like paypal anyway what else are we using money for right now ed well just earlier today we had heavy equipment in here broke ground on the the site for the gymnasium general purpose building this 30 by 60 foot hole that he started digging and we've been clearing brush and, and trimming trees and got this guy working. He'll, he should be here for the next couple of days working on that. That's our friend, Scotty yeah. Mack from Seligman, Scotty yep. Mack on YouTube. Yep. We get that done and then the tires start going in the holes and start ram earth and get walls put in and looking for, um, we're going to need some more donations for, um, roofing material, you know, um, this is how you get guns like this, pounding tires. You join me, pounding tires. <laughs> yes, that's another thing is a call out there for uh, anybody that's willing to come out here and yeah. help us do some of the labor it takes to set up some of these buildings. We're going to have some build parties. Very but by the way, I, Ed, I, I'm sorry to interrupt the Battle Buddies update. I have to go back because I forgot in our segment about my cannabis civil disobedience. To shout, I wanted to shout out both of our local dispensaries that we frequent, sure, right. and and to, to apologize to Nirvana Center that we go to SWC more often because they're like ten minutes closer to us. Uh, when we drive down to Prescott, we usually go to SWC. I asked there, 
hey, if I buy at another dispensary, will, will I get pinged in the system? I said, maybe, but they're probably not looking for you. They didn't say that, but that's what I figured out. Uh, but then at the Nirvana Center, there was a guy I met, Thomas, and shout out to him for being an awesome butt tender. And, and I want to say both of our local dispensaries are great shops, run well, full of great people, and fair prices. All the totally. prices, prices are going like, up. Fair prices for Arizona. Fair price, yeah, yeah. Fair, not, fair price. Not not fair yeah. fair prices, good fair product. Prices. Great, great, great delivery. <laughs> oh, um, hey, look at yes, that. yes, yes. Let's get some pictures on screen of what we did today. Uh, but Thomas is, is one of the people you made me think of because he used to have a cabin up here. I didn't get any he taking pictures. Is is looking forward to coming out and possibly helping. But yeah, we're gonna need a, a once we get this whole dug and the and the the bottom of it level and packed down, we are going to be in tire pounding mode for a while, and we're gonna need a lot of help and tire gathering mode. Right. Uh, we still need to gather. Well, hey, Sergio's actually. Ooh, I got to go there tomorrow to get a screw taken out. Adam was in superhero mode. Jim, put that one up. <laughs> this one's great. And Eric and I need to go pick up more tires, too. Yes. More tires, more tires, more tires. More tires. Yes. Oh, yeah. By the time the tires get stacked up and packed up, we um, I need to buy some roofing material. You know? Um, yeah. Progress, progress. Thing. That and some concrete. He wants to make a concrete cap run on all of the Bond beam, yeah. bond beam to hold them all together. Yeah. Um, uh, super I have, wise. I have four things <laughs> that was given to me that I think I'm going to go ahead and contribute. That will come in handy. This four 14 foot aluminum I beam. Ooh. Okay. Ed, next, uh, next time I go to Winslow, I'm going to stack up on much. a whole bunch of material. I got a lot of rebar. I got a lot of T stakes. I've got a lot of material. I'm going to yeah. load up a bunch and bring it over here. Yeah, we should. And I'll I'm going to donate it all to the corporation. We'll make a trip. No I, I, this reminds me, I think it should be sort of up on our to-do list for priorities to have a donation wish list at this point. Yeah. Because now we, we know Concrete, right to have building a building materials, yeah. glass. That's another thing. Um, Tires. Or also transportation. Somebody's got a truck down in Phoenix. Yeah. There's a lot of building material down there. Or big trailer that move can tires. Be, yeah. uh, acquired on Craigslist yeah. for free. We just yes. called up here. Yes. So hey, you know? if if you're if you just want to be a friend of Gardenia, friend of Homefront Battle Buddies, yeah. and you want to earn a weekend of camping here, you know, load up on whatever from Phoenix, drive it up the hill. Um, if it's on our wish list, or if you want, I mean, check with Ed first, right? Yeah. But now if, we now if, Ed has a good we sense and we start construction money purposes. on the building yeah. materials. We'll even stretch out and pay gas. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, willing yeah. to pay Definitely. gas to get it up here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're we hit the ground running. We're rolling. We got our first intern named Eric. He's out there, been working and working and working. So you know, it works. Stop. You know. PTSD suffering veteran from 82nd Airborne, and he's happy here. And we so. switched to homefrontbattlebuddies.org officially. Yeah. So from now on, and, and it's like, how did I fuck that up? I have no idea. But we got lucky. Ed put it out. It's there. It's .org. It's probably because I forgot to get high. Um, but nobody noticed. Nobody noticed that I parked .com instead of .org. It was still available. No, Ed did. Ed made the comment. I felt funny, Jeff using the dot com when i'm trying to fill out you know for our org <laughs> it's like uh why aren't we using dot org yeah you know, you know we're not it's a stupid it's a i don't 
It's a really dumb. What? Oh, upside down. Weird. Sideways. It's a really dumb sort of. It's just a weird designator that has to go on the end of URLs. Joey's phone is having fun. All right, well, let's get to the ombudsman segment and put a bow on this fucker. Uh, We're about to get to Ed anyway. I get to tell him what he did wrong. You're sideways. Okay. You're so high, you're sideways. (laughs) All All right, right, Adam. Your summary of today's episode and all my mistakes. I went away. You're going to have to, can he come over there? You don't right now. It's fine. Just leave it like Mr. Ombudsman. You keep. It was the nebulous voice off screen. Um, no, because I we're right. gonna have an echo. There you go. All right, here we go. Yeah, all, right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Yeah, you really didn't say anything <laughs> wrong per se, Adam, today, <laughs> but you were here I, to correct me the I, whole time. It's not so much a correction, okay? I'm an old person, okay? I would like to talk about the fabulous, okay? <laughs> the fabulous app. That Mr. Kokesh pays four dollars a month for. Okay, uh, I was born in the fifties. <laughs> uh, see this? This is paper, and this is pen. It started out as pencil on notepad. Okay, it, it, it progressed to pen on post-it, where you could even. Right, what it was, and stick it where you could see it, right? And it was when when you want to fill out your day, it was called an itinerary, okay? Which was hour by hour to minute by minute, everything you can plan your day out to this just exact point. Wait, you could do that and in paper with too? Week, paper work? month, year, it's called a calendar. It's also made of paper and hangs on the wall that you can write things on to remind you of all these things. Now, uh, I used all of these things up until, oh, maybe I was 31, 32, and then so much, so fast, so hard, you don't have time to write it all down. You have to keep track of it up here. That exercises that muscle up here. And once you get it all up here, you really don't have to write it all down, Okay. But I do still have to write it all down so I can remember all of these things because, you know, I'm going to see if I can't send Mr. Cantwell some money at jlapf.com. Look for it out there, okay? Back to you, Adam. I think Cantwell's got enough money. I wanted to ask him about that. But, like, we're not trying to make Cantwell rich. We just want to make sure that he's comfortable yeah. in this trial. Yeah. Send him seven trillion bucks. Oh, that's what I said last week. Send him some bucks. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to use my time on the interview to ask him about that, but I, I thought about it. And like, did you get money in your commissary? You doing all right? He, was, I mean, okay. he didn't ask. I'm pretty sure he's got enough publicity right now. He's got enough people sending money. Oh, I forgot to ask you. Are you going to do anything special for next week's show? Next week's show is the 246th anniversary of the United States Marine. Is that Wednesday? It's my birthday. My birthday is next Wednesday. I'll be impressed. <laughs> it's been a while since I've referred to it as my birthday, but yes. Yeah, well, it's their birthday too. November 10th is my birthday because it was on November 10th, 1775, that the Continental Congress decreed two <laughs> battalions of Marines be raised. <laughs> and hence was born the United States Marine Corps. Forever. I love your Ooh, tattoo. Uh, Some gave all. Not the actual Marine Corps Urat tattoo that says 
for those who fight for it, life has a special flavor. The protected never know. Maybe I'll tell that story next week. So we have, so it's, well, it's also the day before Veterans Day. So really we should, we should, as, as, as a Marine, I can be generous and sufficiently magnanimous to say, let's, let's use the Marine Corps birthday to do a Veterans Day special. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have some fun with that. Um, we won't get too oorah. And uh, that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Unless Jim, Jim, uh, as producer, any any less producer notes? You knew we were going to do this. Nope. Other than right. uh, I hope you have a great week, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, and and since we only get to do this once a week, one more one more from Snoop Dogg. Oh, okay, we can do that. Fair enough. Oh, the remix. <laughs> Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.